I just had Daifuku for the first time. What's going on down there? I also meant to mention that Daifuku is often available like in a refrigerator or even frozen form. Certainly it won't be the same. And a lot of the frozen ones fill it with ice cream, which is worth trying. But um, we'll find you some Daifuku. Hi, TJ. Hi. We got to find TJ some Daifuku. And I'm putting the word out to everyone out there uh, on the, the, I was, you know what I'm just saying, on the Florida coast. Uh, who who knows of a place that maybe one can find some Daifuku or order it. Oh, you're in the I, U.S. I've, you can order it. I have seen it for order. Like, I checked Amazon for it. They're, yeah. Yeah? Their options yeah. Just, I'm suspicious of how that would get here intact and how it would be. But, yes, that is an option. You guys have a sick postal service that is dead cheap because probably bad reasons, but... You know, I would say that's that's a, that's a thing to look into. Aaron, have you ever ordered like just food through uh, through the mail system? Um, kind of. All right. So I've ordered Alfie some of the um, it's uh kind of like Kinder Egg stuff, but out of Japan. Now that that's not all just shut down at the border and mm. people are black bagged for it. Um. But yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. Trying to think what else. Uh, I know that I have in the past. You ever just ordered meat? You ever ordered meat off Amazon or something? No. No. Get some of that Jeff Bezos steakums or whatever. No. Uh, what What about just a piece of Jeff Bezos? I need a piece of Jeff Bezos. I, I can't. I can't say as I. I would. I mean, I do it if I could slice it off and he was watching. <laughs> I guess. And then that's I'd be all like that's 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 some issues. I'd there, be all like, so. how much is this piece worth? <laughs> Dark. Also, I'm half German, and there's something you can probably connect together in there. I know I can see the dots, but I don't. It's too late. I'm drowsy. I don't want to put the lines together. Welcome everyone to WTF at TFW. Welcome to WTF at TFW Transformers podcast by Transformers fans, episode 510. It is we're recording on the evening of May the seventh. Uh, 2018. So, if I could just say to uh, all of our trekkers out there, may the seventh be with you. Um, Aaron, you're one of them, right? You play the the online game. It's been a while since I've played Star Trek Online. I've what? been playing different games. That will. <laughs> it's it's like any MMO. You like get all excited about it, and then you run out of things, and you just don't care about it anymore. I just remember this period where it was like, Aaron, we're getting ready to record. And you're like, yeah, I'm just, um, oh, I, I could, I could have been like, if it would taken much longer to get this thing started, I would have been playing Battletech. Oh, right. But you, I have a, decided you have a fancy new to. Battletech to play. I forgot yeah. this came out. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll probably talk about that later. Yeah. Um, to kick us off, uh, we're going to do some more listener questions primarily this episode because we have too many built up. Um, maybe give us, give us an episode and a half just so we can clear this queue out and it'll be all cool and then maybe things will line up a little bit better but we we still have like i think six or seven or no eight or nine actually listener questions uh still queued up um 
But this one comes from Inhuman Elm, and we're going to start off with it. Uh, Inhuman Elm says, Hey, Evangelist is planning on holding off on this until you guys got around to my previous question. No rush. But since they're somewhat timely to my life, I wanted to get them out ASAP. Uh, number one, this isn't actually really a question. This is just a statement. But Inhuman Elm says, I want to make a slight retraction to my previous question about characters we hate. I just got to the issue of Lost Light, where Star Saber goes Star Saber. And yeah, okay, I think I understand why his portrayal gets people riled up in the not-so-fun way. Um... Yeah, I, when I got this PM, I kind of was like, "All right," I was curious if like you'd get there and then go like, "Ah, I see." Like you don't have to, you don't have to be as not into Star Saber in IDW as I, I'm not into him. But it's it's very vindicating to <laughs> to see the quick uh, response on that. Um, I actually forgot the entire context of where that comes from, but I, I recall vaguely we were talking about IDW Star Saber um, and like that issue. But uh, the actual question here is, why do most so-called high-end Transformers have such complicated transformations? I'm looking at MPM-04, which looks great in both forms, but is kind of hell to transform. And then there's Open Carry's Big Cannon. Yeah, it's an upscale Titan's Return figure, but it seems like it shows you can do the Masterpiece scale Transformers with simple transformations. Just something I've been wondering about. Thanks, Inhuman Elm. So there is a super quick answer to that question, per se, which is you look at Open Carry Big Cannon... And you put him next to Masterpiece Toys, and aside from the scale, there is a clear visual difference because he is kind of a blown-up Titan's Return figure, and it doesn't look quite right, um, like next to a Masterpiece Ultra Magnus or the like, in my opinion, at least. Um, so, I don't know, Aaron, like, I, I figure, like, the easy answer here is, like, they're complicated because they're trying to literally change shape in some cases, yeah, so again, with the thing we can what what we talked about this week, um I got like Masterpiece Megatron. Ah, yeah, that's a good subject for this and, question. And yes. and uh that is a very direct answer. Um there's uh you know, when you get up into the the high end, you expect a whole lot more from this to that and Things like the high-end Masterpiece toys manage to do a whole lot of tricks with profiles and shapes that take, like, 12 steps for each leg. And you miss the tiny little thing of, like, hey, don't stress this tab a little bit too much or you'll cut a weird corner out of the side of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, that's literally only, like, one pair of tabs in him. Yeah, And and it's on... And it's on like his butt on his back, and you don't. And see it's on the it inside of his butt. Like have, having so. sheared one of those off myself, it actually does nothing other than make yeah. you feel bummed out because you know it's there. Yeah, uh. yeah. It was uh, <laughs> a- after I did it. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember Chris talking about this. Oh crap! Right after, oh, right well. after I did it, I was like, oh, I remember T sixteen Skyhawk talking about this, and like three other people responding to him in kind. And I thought they were talking about a different tab. It turns out that tab did not break, but it was not the one in question. Um, but yeah, I mean, yes, you can get things that are larger scale that are simpler, but then it's going to be not as, you know, it's going to be a big blocky thing that's pretty obviously a different thing. You know, you can sit here and look at this Megatron and it looks like the friggin' cartoon and there are only a few things that, it, like, give it a sign that, hey, it turns into a really oversized pistol, you know? Mm. So it, it's it's a matter of, like, what do you want out of it? Do you want something that like is... That, that does do that amount of changing or do you want something that is you know true to some comic artists or cartoon artists idea of what it should look like and i'll, I'll say like the further apart those two things get 
the more complex it's going to have to be I, I have to, I have, up to a finite point. I have talked to people who are just happy enough with um, the figures being in the same physical scale. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, what I say is I envy those folks because that's uh, being satisfied, I think, is actually more important in many cases than like having the same stuff everyone else does. Oh, yeah. uh, and it, you know, in my case, because um, there's a nuanced answer to this that is not so black and white that I'll get into later in this part. But before I get there, like there, there is a, a dis- an interesting discussion to have about about this question of TJ. I was wondering, like, how do, how do you take your high end, like expensive transformers? Like, what do you what do you want out of them? And do you see complicated transformation as like necessary or it feels necessary in the right circumstances because there are high-end masterpiece level transformers that are fairly elegant in how they work i really like how uh masterpiece sites wipe transforms mm. that's not mm-hmm. you know that's far from like a masterpiece megatron but when you're talking about masterpiece megatron and you're looking for something that is show accurate in both forms and there's only so much physics can do like yeah you're going to end up with some really complicated things in order to make that work in the case of your movie masterpiece toys, that's even more so because when you're a collector and you want that high-end thing, you expect it to do certain things. Aside from being accurate in both modes, you want it to cheat as little as possible. If it's a piece of the car, you want it to end up on the right spot on the robot mode on its own. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as possible. So it actually looks like, yeah, th- that's how the real thing would transform. Mm-hmm. And And therein, I think, is the really interesting nuance that I find in some conversations gets really glossed over on on forums and, you know, Twitter and message boards and such, where it's kind of like when someone says this is too complicated, someone says, yeah, well, it's supposed to be doing this. So what else are you going to do about it? You know, kind of like, you know, it's a be all end all. It's a cut and dry situation. And with my personal feelings on stuff, like I found like there's still so much nuance between those extremes, like with MPM, for instance, um, the thing about that Optimus his transformation, in my opinion, is not all that nightmarish until the very end when you're going to truck mode, uh, wherein a whole lot of tolerances just aren't playing right. And uh, I think that's just a that is that ends you on a very valid and legit critique of that figure. And then you go over to the recently released masterpiece movie Barricade, who is doing a lot of the same stuff, trying to not cheat as much as possible. And that toy is is a joy to transform. Um, and you know, with good instructions and not the ones provided, it's borderline simple to transform. Uh, it's just lengthy and 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 I would say satisfying. So I feel like complicated transformation. Um, it's it's often seen by many as either a prerequisite or a uh, a consequence of something being high end mm-hmm. and trying to do something like that. And so I, I what I would say is like I mean the question is not asking this this is me just kind of expanding now but if you if you look at that stuff and you try to figure out where you stand on it I guess it's like if you can try to handle stuff across the the spectrum of complicated transformations try to handle you know your masterpiece megatrons try to handle your masterpiece sunstreakers try to handle um uh what was the one I was going to say uh well, you know, Masterpiece Movie Barricade and try to handle like a couple third party pieces that I find are not as insane to transform in the hard way, like uh, that third party lockdown, Peru Kill, um, or, you know, just a, a number of things where the transformation is not infamously nightmarish, but is still co- accomplishing a whole lot. Because I, I think the critique to start making is is when faced with making a high end transformer, did the, the folks or folk, you know, folk, singular, working on it, um, 
did they see the high end part as being like i i can just make this as complicated as i want because i have to get from point a to point b or did they then within that context go like all right but how can i also file down this experience and make it smoother you know and make it more uh more enjoyable for the user um Mm -hmm. like like masterpiece megatron the new one that toy is not only trying to do an animation model of the several uh, of G1 Megatron um, into a realistic-looking gun, it is simultaneously going by the designer interviews, trying to also use the same quadrants of the gun matching up to the same quadrants of the robot as on the G1 toy as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So it's like it was doing this almost triple-layered challenge. Um yeah. Which I, I find makes it even and it's, more impressive, but. and it's pretty obvious in there too. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> not to not to jump uh, to what we got, but like just the way that his legs collapse mm-hmm. um, is is a feat of engineering that I'd heard people talk about. Like, yeah, when it does the thing and then the thing and then the other thing, you're like, yeah, sure. And then it was, and I had one of those moments of like, I don't understand. I mean, I understand how it works, but who? Who put all that together? Yeah, who, who wrote somebody this on paper? <laughs> somebody, somebody, somebody worked really hard on paper to then get it really hard on like styrene or or something, or all the way to like AutoCAD to sit there and figure out how how to make all of those parts work in that way. Yeah. Also, Masterpiece Megatron and Sunstreaker both are often regarded as, like, two of the hardest Transformers on the market right now. And, like, Mm -hmm. this is just my opinion. I think if you use good instructions, i.e. not the ones provided, they're actually not all that hard. That's their greatest quality to me is that they are very complex, but there is this flow to what's happening that doesn't end up with me falling, you know, off the track and getting lost trying to find my way back in. Uh, I think that they have mm-hmm. very fluid transformations uh, that are utterly betrayed by the current quality of paper instructions across the board right now. Um, in the yeah. case of those two, it's it's the fact of they are taking a, what, 40 to, you know, 80 step transformation and then stuffing it onto this like A1 sized piece like poster where some of the yeah. steps are the size of your thumb. And it's like, this isn't good enough. <laughs> And not to again go back to what we got, but did, does it seem did it seem like uh, Megatron in like the last what should have been like the last ten percent of his steps was just kind of like four? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I I don't actually actually no never mind I don't remember the instructions because I never looked at them I went straight to a video um, because yeah. there were enough parts it, where I was like I need to know what this sounds like when it's moving so. So the whole part where the um like grip comes together and then the like the arms do the weird like three quarters butterfly around the top to all close together. Yeah. It's like th- three steps total on paper. Yeah, and also I don't think there's a way to show that on paper because there's both a certain order of operations and also like a certain levering of parts around each other to latch together. That, mm-hmm. in my opinion, requires a video. Uh, you know, thank goodness that at this point you can go watch a plethora of decent videos. I will always default to Wotafa because he goes through steps and, uh, in a very good fashion. And also the audio of the plastic and metal on plastic and metal is very high. So you can hear what's supposed to be happening. 
Um, it's mm-hmm. thanks to him that I could transform Sunstreaker because there's a part on Masterpiece Sunstreaker where the instructions do nothing to tell you of this, but there's a piece where you're like, I literally don't know if I'm supposed to push this until it clicks, or if if I do so, I'm just going to snap it off the hinge. I can't tell in the instructions, and it's very stiff, so I had to go look for a video, and then I heard the k and I was like, oh, okay, so it is one of those. I just push on it, and it'll click. Uh, if not for the video audio cues that I was shown, I would be stuck trying to describe that part in text. I don't know. This is a whole rant I've been on like 18 times on, on this podcast now, but high-end Transformers should come with a video piece. Um, you know, not not like on a DVD, but there should be a, a link to video instructions that are professionally produced by someone who was paid to do so, and it is put up on Takarotomi and Hasbro's own medias. It's not left in the friggin' hands of like, Hopefully the first person who gets this is one of these eight people and they also figure it out the first time. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because I think that's a ridiculous state of affairs to be in. That's just me. Um, So hope that answers your questions, Inhuman Helm. Um, Inhuman Elm. Because we've got another question here from Ramadom Access. And I'm going to pass this question to you, TJ. Can you read this one to us? Unless I missed you going AFK. I did, didn't I? Aaron, did I do it again? I I, I don't see any place where he said he went AFK. I also realize we don't have a place to really say that with this current setup. What's what's What about the podcastless, like, chat thing? Because it's all the way up there, and thus it's not very natural to go click on it. No, no I'm, I'm looking at that channel right now because we're in a chat channel, and then that one's a text channel. Yeah. And it's two different things, and you could be looking at both of and them. And we also, like, I think I had some conversations in there with, with some patrons. Yeah, there's some other conversations, but it's not, like, if people see, oh my gosh, where did TJ go? Like, so what? I don't know. They'll they'll, they'll care. The people will care, all right? That's that's the, the kind of ship that we run. Well, then you make another channel that's private, and you only have, like, the three of us have access oh, to man. it. Oh, man. This Discord thing is so complicated. Speaking of paying people, is there? Can I like hire like a Discord um, advisor? Is there someone I can pay to like just tell me how it works? Sure. I mean, I'll take half of whatever you're getting out of Patreon. Uh, you, I'll take care of all that for y'all, you. Y'all want y'all want to buy yourself a real nice steak dinner once a month? I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Um, okay, just to give you just to give you something to cut out of the podcast later. I've got to get things ready because my grandmother was in the hospital today. Oof. Yeah, and oh, see here we were just joking about you disappearing, and then you had to go and make it dark. Yeah. Oh, oh boy, she was in a lot of pain today, and apparently they got there, pain went away. She demanded to come home, so oh, coming home. No. Are you good to stick around, or do you need to to bop out? Um, I I need to uh, get a few things ready in her room. If if and I'll... if you need to bop out, man, it's not a big yeah, deal. Yeah, it's no worries. I mean, no, we're, no, just, no. we're just doing a we're just doing a questions episode. It's not well, like no, family it's first. Not a... It's not a huge. It's not a huge distraction. I just get her back in her bed, and everything's fine. Alrighty, um, we were just talking actually about like where you could bop a an AFK or I am back message. Yeah, I was going to, and then I were oh, I, I, let's just say podcastless is the spot to do it, and then if anyone asks questions, I'll deal with it later. Uh, so there should be a podcastless text channel. Um, or just uh, just yeah, that make I see. J- here here just. I don't know how you have to do it through Discord on your side, but, like, just make me an admin or something on this Discord, and I'll spend some of my boring why am I in another meeting time at work trying to figure it out, and 
I have to actually, and I'll I'll touch. I'll it up do for that you. after we're done because I have to make an admin roll. <laughs> okay, that's that's fine. I just, I I can I I can work on it for you because now that I'm a boss, I got stupid time. Oh boy. Uh, but yeah, in the meantime, yeah. let's just use the podcast list text thing for the BRBs and I'm backs. Uh, all right. Oh, DJ, are you around right now, or do you need to to bop out again? No, I'm around That's for a your bit. Answer? Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, I'm gonna throw you. Are you good to 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 bop on this listener question? Uh, I'm gonna pass it yeah. over to you. Yeah, I'm okay. All right. Uh, then <laughs> you want to do a halfway back in? Whoa! Someone posted in another Discord thing. All right. I thought that was you guys for a sec. That freaked me out. Yes. I'll uh, I'll just lead us back in. TJ, can you read us this listener question from Ramdom Access? Uh, sure. I can do that. Sup, WTF at TFW crew. So after doing a big Ruby binge rewatch, it got me thinking about one of my favorite, but maybe a lesser done Transformers gimmicks, that being transforming and by extension combining weapons. I know these pop up from time to time, but rarely are they the focus. Uh, like MechTech and the Prime Voyagers had them, but those results were mixed and I think hampered by being spring-loaded. What do you think would be... What uh, What do you think of a line with transforming weapons? Maybe similar to that Fall of Cybertron Magnus and Air Raid or maybe Bloodborne-ish. What would you like to see with what? Rift with two swords that combine into a Buster Sword, Grimlock with a Shield Cannon, Scourge with Scythe Cane Rifle? Have fun with that and thanks for the podcast. Boop. Why would you have a cane? The cane part there is making me double take. I didn't read that part of the question. <laughs> See, he's he's not old. He just has a beard. He's one of those scumbags. He just has like a fancy cane and a that he... walker <laughs> and and a a rake that he shakes at children that get too close to his yard. Oh, geez. He's not old. Uh, I mean, he could have a beard under the faceplate. This is I want this in Transformers because whenever it is the focus, it is hampered by spring loaded stuff that makes 80 percent of the pieces kind of suck. Uh, like the Prime Voyagers, perfect example. How many of those were nice? A few from the tail end when they had like locking mechanisms. Uh, yeah. similar thing with Mech Tech because yeah, the the Fall of Cybertron weaponry on on Wave Two onwards for like those huge combining weapons were friggin' awesome, in my opinion. Uh, made that that part of the wave like way more interesting. But yeah, like Bloodborne-ish, absolutely. Like I'd say transforming weapons excite me way more than combining weapons because combining weapons is sort of an omnipresent thing with you know five millimeter ports. Uh, weapons that actually physically transform is so exciting to me. I would be so down for that. Yeah, I wish that we would get back combining weapons for, like, the combiner groups. That would be cool, too. Because, yeah. like, my biggest issue is, like, with the Dinobots on, or any of the, you know, combiner war stuff, they've got guns randomly in open peg holes so that they stay on the robot because there's no place to do it. But remember R.I.D. Ruination. Mm-hmm. All of those guns combined together to make one big, stupid, stupid gun thing. Yep. <laughs> but they all went together, and then they were all together, and it was kind of neat. But really stupid, but kind of no, neat. No, the, mm-hmm. to, in my opinion, the single most inexcusable thing Combiner Wars did and perpetuated onwards into Power of the Primes was, n- like, rarely did you have weapons that could even just simply peg together. And it's it's yeah. not even hard all you need is a big gun, and you bolt the little guns along the side, and it looks like a bigger gun. 
you know yeah <laughs> like yeah. It's, it it blew my mind that we went through basically all of combiner wars without that being the absolute <laughs> standard uh on the state sideline at least and then it was like on the in the unite warriors boxes where it started to happen more and it was like oh i forgot which one's next it's been it's been enough time but like you know there's a couple where it's like they have very designed combining weapons um you know, sometimes using stuff from other sets like the Devastator weapons on on their uh, Ruination Baldigus. Yeah, because there was um, what was it? The Feral Rex, where all the swords combined to make yep. a yeah. Mondo it sword. Was sick. Still, yeah. I think the best combining sword. Um, there have been others that have been really good too, but I mean, and I think if it's something that you like, started out the line with the idea of like, hey, like as a tertiary thing. Aside from all the other gimmicks, we'd like to have our weapons combined. I think you could come up with some really neat thing, you know, like like your own. Um, uh, what were the microns that all combined together? Uh, arms, star saber, um, the, all the yeah, all the arms, and, microns, oh, and the star saber, stuff. Requi- like the pre- predecessors, the star saber, requiem blaster. Yeah, yeah. The, oh, what's the other one? Sky boom, shield. sky boom, and that's the word. Uh, yeah. So you know, if you had something like kind of along those lines, or at least uh, like, hey, this thing makes. A really good haft and then this sword if you flip out this part becomes an even bigger sword blade and then you've got a rifle that has a port that's underneath it so maybe that sword becomes a big bayonet or maybe it goes on this thing that makes a a, a haft and then you can have like a zweihander style like real oh, big sword or something crazy zweihander oh, geez that's okay that's what? all right it's that's very um western that's a very west it's it's fi hunter it's the okay <laughs> sorry no it's not your fault it's my fault actually i'm i can i can never not pause someone when they mispronounce a german <laughs> word it's it's a little problem of mine uh okay but yeah uh i the thing is they could do all that cool stuff but the thing that really gets my goat is that you don't even have to you could just make the things pegged together into a long shape with a handle on the end yeah. and it's good enough for transformers like yeah it's something that i think like bmog tried to do kind of sort of but then also make it animal it, stuff yeah, they, they, and some i think some of them were very good and some of them were Okay. They, they really pulled it off uh, in the context of they also only ever released like what the two main things, um, and I th- uh, didn't they do shapeways for a bunch of other stuff? They did. I, I'm, I'm just thinking of the production to... ones. Yeah, because um, yeah, the they they had a lot more interesting shapes coming that I think would have led to more interesting builds outside of like the you know the, the bear made of guns basically. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, like Bmog, I think Bmog actually really hit it with the main guns on the bear because you take them apart and a bunch of the pieces are just these two very large Transformers-y guns that are covered in pegs and holes and, uh, you, and you can stick a lot of stuff on them. Um, I was talking uh, a little while ago about, uh, about Mechazone's stuff, the Predonaut Anubis just came out, but all of David White's figures in the six inch scale, they're, they're also covered in pegs and ports that are five millimeter. And it just means, like, if you have extra weapons, you can just stick them on there and, and get creative. And with Transformers, and especially with the Combiners, I'm like, could there not have at least even been just a few more ports everywhere? Like, like mm-hmm. in some cases it was fine, but on the Power of the Primes ones, actually, I'm finding it's like, at least I'll, I haven't messed with them for a bit because I'm waiting for Wave 2. But, like, I, I felt like there was even less space to put stuff. Um, 
Whereas at least Superion like had those wonderful peg holes on his thighs where you could stick a pair of symmetrical guns and, you know, thank goodness. Uh, this is kind of getting away from the transforming weapon thing. Um, I was going to say also Star Saber had a really cool transforming weapon and that would have been a neat gimmick to see. Doesn't look like he's actually being made though. Um, cause I feel like we would have heard about it by now, but you know, we could get surprised. There's, there's still surprises coming. Um, also this question reminded me that I've still never seen Ruby and I always hear about it. It's like one of those, yeah. one of those Fix third that. things. Yeah. TJ, I was going to say, like, I know you've, you've checked out Ruby. Um, is it like, is it totally a bingeable thing? I mean, you know, Ramdon oh. Maxis just did. But. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Like season one's a whole bunch of setup because they were still experimenting with it, but yeah, it you know beyond that it is very bingeable. I'm really whenever I do watch it, I am kind of curious to get into it and go through the thing because also of the you know admittedly the very tragic part of Ruby, which is that crossing point where the creator uh, had passed away, if I recall correctly. Uh huh. Um, and I, I that, that seems like a. For a sh- especially a web-based series, like I, I'm, I'm curious how I'll take the the crossing point on that. Because um, I, I know I, I, when it happened, and I was kind of just looking around to see, you know, more info about about uh, the fellow in question. I saw a lot of very interesting discussions with various different biases about the the um, turns that the show had taken since then. Um. So I don't know, like being uninvested in it because I haven't seen it yet, I feel like it's going to be a, an interesting experience. But that's not what the question's about, is it? Never is. Not really. Uh, but I think we answered this question. Do you guys have anything else you wanted to throw in? Are there like, like uh, I don't think so. crazy weapons you want to see? More canes? Well, <laughs> I'll make a case for Bumblebee, but... That's you know what yeah like the only one I think Doctor Wu did a cane for the wrong Bumblebee, and that's kind of the story of it. Um, he he did a cane for the 2013 one. Um, man, I I almost went on a little tangent there, but I don't like to discuss new new comics yet. Uh, there's did you guys you know without getting too deep in did you guys have any luck on free comic book day going out to actually get free comics? I did. All right. Now I have like ninety dollars worth of comics sitting in a stack, ready to be read. That's not free. That's not. Well, I also got the free ones. Okay. Actually, that's good of you to do. I really wanted to buy comics from the places where I got free comics, and then like I bought I bought a comic from one, and then the other one I really tried to find something I wanted, and then I was like, I just can't find anything I actually want to read right now, and I felt kind of bad. Um. DJ, do you have any luck on on the FCBD? Uh, no, did not get to go out. Ah, nuts! Did they um do any digital? I know they usually do digital side free comic book day stuff as well. Uh, did you catch anything on there? Uh, no, I didn't really have the chance to look. It's probably still there. Whenever you get the chance, it's probably it's, it's probably floating around. Um. TJ, were you caught up at all on the on the current Power Rangers book? I forgot. Yeah. All right. the uh, The free comic book day issue I thought was pretty cool because it. I only I have only read twenty five issues of the main book, so I still have plenty of stuff I haven't read yet. And uh, the free comic book day issue kind of did some recapping and kind of showed some world building stuff that I wasn't aware of, and it was really cool. 
Um, so you should, I think you'll be able to catch that. Usually the, the, the stuff that is free to pick up goes up free digitally within the week. Um, so while we wait for that to happen, let's go to this list of question from Face. Um, Aaron, do you want to read this one? Uh, sure. Uh, Face on uh, April 6th says, uh, the listener question extravaganza on the last episode reminded me that I've been wanting to ask this question for at least a couple years now. Well, it's about time. Hmm. As with many cartoons from the 80s, there's a lot of nonsense going on that was never really explained about the universe of G1, leaving the fans to fill in the gaps with theories and headcanons. What is your favorite headcanon? Uh, Face's personal favorite pet theory is that while Unicron was still alive, Galvatron and his minions were drawing upon his dark energy. As a result, when they killed another Transformers, their spark was prevented from returning to the Matrix, which is the reason why for Starscream's immortal spark. could also explain why Ultra Magnus survived being blowed up real good, and that his own spark floated around disembodied until his body was rebuilt, meaning that he's essentially a ghost possessing his own body. Thanks to whichever team for reading. Cheers on 500 plus episodes, and here's to at least one or two more. Click. We've definitely made it fa- past one or two more. We're, I believe, on ten more. Um, nine nine yeah, or ten Something more. like that. Um, I have one of these, actually, but uh, Aaron, did you ever have any, any crazy G1 headcanon? I don't think so. I mean, I would read a lot of those and say, like, yeah, okay, but at the same time, it's also like an 80s cartoon where continuity is lucky if they remembered what they wrote for the last episode. What about subspace? How'd you feel about subspace? So just like where everything folds into. Yeah, it's, like how, it's how they shrink and grow. It's I, where I, the trailer goes. I guess like where the trailer goes, just nobody cares. It's off screen. Yeah. Subspace is a thing that like, yeah, you kind of have to deal with that in mass shifting if you want any idea of physics to exist in such a world. But it's also... 80s cartoons and a planet the size of Jupiter that's made all out of metal would not be sustainable as Cybertron it would collapse in upon itself just due to mass and like you can't you can't go down too many of these rails without like you just let it go they they handled that it's 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 like looper and time travel the core of Cybertron is a god and so he's using his holy magic power to make the planet not collapse on itself boom (laughs) I fixed it. Um, yeah, I. Uh, it, for me, it's not so much a headcanon so much as it is like a, a certain little span of time that I thought was really interesting. Is because they they always implied that right the Beast Wars was like some very long indeterminate time after G one. At least as far as like where mm-hmm. where Maximals and Predacons came from. So I, I had a whole like fanfic I was writing. Uh, still have the whole thing in my head for the most part about like just some story that takes place in the the middle part in the big long middle part of post war Cybertron, um, and that's like a, that's that's a, that's a part of G one history that I've always really liked the idea of, and figured that I would never ever see something cool that really dealt with it all that much, and that's why I've been so into uh, stuff like Till All Our One uh, that came out under IDW because that Till All Our One was like my candy. It went right into all that stuff. Um, so I had my own little story. Uh, lots of body horror. I really like the idea of Transformers body horror. Um, and it, it was I, one of these days I'm going to write the thing down again. I really like that idea. I was thinking about it a little while ago because I was, I was listening to some music that I listened to back in 06 when I was first thinking about it. But yeah, that time period is when I totally had headcanons uh, about. Uh, TJ, do you ever have any any uh, G1 headcanon or, uh, or theories 
Any uh, crazy voids to fill? I did, in kind of a similar vein, because what always interested me was that gap between G1 and Beast Wars. All right, my, that's how my zone. Did, yeah, how you know, like how did all of this occur? Like, in my head, I had this headcanon where we went all the way from, like, almost in, almost in the Marvel comic realm, where pretty much everything happened, all the upgrades and all the gimmicks happened, and we got all the way to, like, Action Masters. Mm-hmm. And there was part of me going, okay, how did they get from that point to Beast Wars-style characters? And I, think, and I, I remember thinking to myself, well, they're a lot smaller now, so... You know, they, you know, so there's MicroMaster tech in this, and then they've got organic components that can digest and actually have, like, some kind of biological energy. There's your Headmaster, Powermaster. That's been done. Yeah. Uh, and there was always part of me who was thinking, well, maybe they never quite got over that whole transformation lock nucleon thing, and the reason they're all shell formers is because they needed pretender shells attached to them to transform now. Oh, yeah, because so it's less like they're fully transforming and more like they're sort of. Yeah, so there was actually one of the BotCon comics, like the Hartman era comics, that dealt with exactly that transition. Well, it didn't, because I know the one you're talking about, it didn't, like, go into, like, <laughs> super specifics, but what it did was go, like, here's Rodimus, Hot Rod Rodimus Prime, who is not a Maximal, but he is there to oversee the Maximal, like, the species-wide maximization transition. Um, into mm-hmm. fuel-efficient forms. And then the implication was that green Ramulus was Springer. Um, and so there was they, they yeah. kind of dealt with it a little bit, but the, by virtue of only getting to put out a comic every year, uh, they didn't really get to go super deep into it. Mm-hmm. And it was quite frequently uh, held to also including whatever that year's things were. Yeah, it was very meddled with kind of fiction. I uh, mm-hmm. didn't have the room to breathe that I think something like that would need to to like really cross the the threshold. Um, yeah, for me it was it was less about like what happened to turn everyone everyone into Maximals, and I always thought like the interesting story to tell is like what about everyone who got left behind, right? Because like a there's Decepticons, and then b there's all the other kinds of Transformers, uh, you know, who weren't very much in the comic books, but there's also the large scale ones, the city robots, combiners, and like. You know, like, I always imagined, and in my little story, this is how it played out, that the city formers, right, at some point, it just, like, they just break. Because, like, people, they, the people are literally living on and in their bodies. And I'm like, I just figure, yeah. at one point, just the city formers, one by one, just went like, you know, I'm full of bugs, and just started scratching. And then, like, <laughs> you know, had to be, had to be, like, put down, basically. Uh you know, similar things with combiners. And then I think I was also like thinking about stuff like what if there was like uh like a pair of transformers who were like a couple and they were also a two a two uh a two part combiner as well and like what could you do with that? Then I was like, what if there was like a transformer who was like a, 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 a never never evolved beyond protoform and thus was like kinda like vampirically like taking body parts off of other people to like fill in all the gaps and i don't know that that to me was more interesting like to me it's like the idea that everyone got maximized or predaconized is like that just doesn't seem realistic like there there'd be people left behind uh and then i was also thinking like oh and then there's also the end of the great war and the autobots are in charge and the septicons are not and then like 
you know, hit, the Victor rewrites history. So, like, you end up with probably just some some real lousy, corrupt Autobot leadership at the point of, the, you know, centuries later, a bunch of them probably never even really saw combat. Uh, anyway, that's it turns out a lot of this stuff really got touched on by IDW, and that makes me really happy, but then also really bummed out because I'm like, oh, man, it turns out I had good ideas. <laughs> I could have maybe rolled with some of that. Um Anyway, I hope that answered your question, Face, because uh, this kind of takes us into our one bit of news I wanted to cover. We uh, so we we found out that uh, James Roberts via Twitter said that after Lost Light ends, he's taking a break for a little while. Um, and I said at the time, and I still believe, like that is that is a good thing to do when you have been literally writing this story f- for like seven, eight years. Then it's like, yeah, I think the probably the least interesting thing to James Roberts, and probably the the least healthy thing to do would be to like dive right into starting a new ongoing Transformers story. Um, but that left the question of John Barber, uh, who not only has done some writing, but also was, in my opinion, one of the best editors Transformers ever had. Uh, and guess what? He's going to be the new IDW editor-in-chief. Um, and that it seems like a really good idea. That's putting a person with the right credentials in the right place, and it's keeping a through line of one of the main folks from the best era of IDW Transformers on the team. And uh, ignore that siren. I didn't do anything. But uh, I think this is a good piece of news, in my opinion. Um, TJ, did you catch any of this? Have you been Have you been kind of keeping up with where RDW's at, or are you just waiting to see like how all the the end game stuff pans out? I'm waiting for it to pan out, but yeah, I've seen all the moves and I've seen the promotion, and well deserved. Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent, in my opinion. Um, and and I I. I I was like, I spent the last like like weeks going like, oh man, I just hope they keep John Barber around in, in like a you know an advisory position or something because I I figured like he wouldn't want to be editor because he he seemed to like be really eager to not be editor after some years and just get back to being simply a writer. Um, so I'm I I just didn't think this was on the table. So I'm ecstatic that it turns out it was. Uh, Aaron, did you uh, have any? Are, actually, where are you at right now, comics wise? Are you still just kind of building the pile? I am. Well, so I'd read up to four months ago. Okay. And this purchase at the comic shop was like about four months of comics. Each Boom. comic had three or four copies in there. So. All right. I know. I'm a ways back and I'm probably going to miss stuff because I should have read it more frequently than in like six months. Don't read any previews shops. anymore. Uh, I don't. Good. Cause I try not to until you're in and like, yeah, Unicron's coming. I'm like, wait, what? I mean, that, that's How's... that's the thing where it's like there's a series coming out literally called Transformers Unicron. Uh, it's running for the summer. Um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for uh, thanks for spoiling that. I uh... I mean, they, they, they put out press releases. It's been all over Twitter. <sighs> yeah. I think we talked about the Unicron design that Alex Milne did. Yeah. Yeah. I... Yeah, you did. Yeah, you, you jammed that spoiler right into what we're going to talk oh, about. Jeez. Thanks, friend. Look, this is this is on the this is I hate these jokes, but this is on the same border as as someone going like, hey, guess what? Spider-Man is in the new Marvel movie. You've been spoiled. Uh, Thanks for that one. You saw it. We talked about it before. (laughs) You're just doing a bit. You're doing it. I can tell you're doing a. mm, mm. We should continue on with the listener questions. Uh, In my opinion, so we should we should bump along. To this listener question from Snowcat, 
who says, Hey there, podcasters of WTF. So lately I've heard Vangelis speak about his desire to see Transformers become a legitimate sci-fi storytelling, citing many IDW comics as clear examples. I mean, like, I'll, I'll clarify. I think that right now it is legitimate sci-fi storytelling. It's more... Keep reading the question and then you can answer the question. All right. I was just saying, I want to make sure... Make sure we know. Do the thing. I don't think it's not. Do the thing. All right. Do the question do the, continues. Do the, do the thing. Quote. I'm interested in some elaboration on what it means to be legitimate sci-fi storytelling. So my questions are thus. Aside from IDW, what other parts of Transformers fiction do you think have achieved this? Oh, so you did think I thought. Okay. Well. Uh, and what ingredients do you think are required for the Transformers to be legitimate sci-fi storytelling? Um, there's an additional that I want to cover, but we'll talk about this first. Uh... I have some very so now I'll make your statement. Yeah, I, I uh, so I think IDW and clearly the question thinks so as well. Like, like that, I think this. Yeah, IDW right now in phase two is, was the crossing point to solidify Transformers, at least that version of it, as full on legit sci fi storytelling in every facet. And to me, these are some of the prereqs: is uh, your characters exist beyond their caricatures. Um, there is continuity in history, uh, even if it's not stuff that we've seen, it's, it's clearly present. Um, and, uh, same thing for world building. There is world building. There are cultures, um, that are not, you know, our own, or at least our future versions of ours, if not fully alien. Um, and it feels like an inhabited space that we can travel around and see stories within. Like that's kind of, those are sort of my, my main staples as someone who's not really like a highfalutin sci-fi person. It's just, I got, you know, I, I, I don't know much about art, but I know what I like kind of thing. Uh, and as for other Transformers fiction that kind of achieved this, I think that if you don't necessarily take each one as a separate thing, some of them, I think they all kind of built on each other. And it was in the Beast era when I think the first major crossing point really happened. Uh, that was kind of like taking all the bits and pieces of, of all those toy commercial cartoons and then adding that extra layer of icing and glue uh, that that filled in the the sinews and uh, and kind of tenuously formed what I would say is like probably one of the first versions of a fully realized Transformers world. Um, well, it, it, Beast definitely did a whole lot better job of well, kind of like I said before, of like real continuity. Yeah, because because if your story doesn't have any impact, then it's like what's the point? Um, you know, you look at at TV shows that have that those good character arcs. You look at, you know, again, we kind of joke around with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, you see some of those characters change pretty drastically from movie to movie, and it's not like it's a different interpretation each time. You can see where, you know, Iron Man 1 leads off and then leads into Iron Man 2, and where, like, Avengers comes in and how each of those steps affects tony stark as iron man as a character and that's how you end up with good storytelling that can end to like become legit storytelling not just like if each of those had been disjointed like you know the 80s cartoon tv you know the toy commercials or even some um there's some TV shows that are like try and be legit that you'd have to like watch at a very long time frame to be like okay, there's real storytelling going on. Yeah, here. and they're, and they're not, um, but, and like, they're not making you like. To me, the difference there is like there are a lot of shows that don't make me feel like there are previous events or future events. Like there are shows mm-hmm. that, fe- that eventually get there, like you're saying. But yeah, there's a lot of shows that that feel like they. 
they want to be taken as legit sci-fi but also are so episodic and encapsulated yeah. and they don't they don't project to me a full yeah. world and universe that i'm kind of like i just look at something like the simpsons yeah yeah the simpsons look at, is deep look at they, something like the simpsons they, they've got you know uh, the longest running tv show period now you know, even taking over some of those shows that lasted forever in the early days of television. But, like, can you say that Bart Simpson has had true character oh, growth? Oh, no. Like, like, if anything, the, the the most interesting thing about the longevity of The Simpsons is not anything intended by the production of The Simpsons. It's it's all of the mm-hmm. thought pieces I've read in the last five years that kind of dissect whatever the hell The Simpsons is now. Uh, <laughs> and, like... And it's it's not even it's it's interesting. It's also obscenely depressing to see where mm-hmm. how how far something can fall in so many ways. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like you know, the, the Simpsons is not legit uh, fiction uh, as far as being like a, a a storytelling universe. It is this weird zombie of of clever comedy that then turned into kind of the the wheel the 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 rocking chair rake old man on the lawn thing you were talking about except it's also dead and it doesn't know it's dead mm-hmm. um but, you know we just watched one of those episodes of doctor who earlier i uh, man are they stealing my ideas too like first idw steals all my transformers ideas now maybe man probably um i also i, I i'll say right now i realize that i kind of glazed over the marvel comics and i i, I apologize for that and i'm gonna hit those too but tj uh have you got uh any thoughts on uh like what makes for legit sci-fi and you know in regards to transformers if you feel like it oh that that's so hmm oh i'll I'll throw it out there there is also like hard definitions of what legit sci-fi is on a higher level of thinking than what i'm operating on here yeah and i yeah, want to acknowledge I mean, that yeah i mean because uh, like i'm a i'm a fan of red dwarf and like i would not like that, that that's that's hard for me to rationalize about what actually makes sci-fi like what's what is what what uh qualifies as good sci-fi fiction so here's, here's what i'll say about red dwarf even though they both tried to and then abandoned the notion of of really paying attention to their continuity um red dwarf to me is legit sci-fi in in very much the sense of making me believe other stuff has happened yeah. Um, the way the and a lot of the best of Red Dwarf, um, it, it it's sci-fi without tr- without really trying that hard to be sci-fi. I guess is the way I'd put it. Where between the sets, the references to past events that are not in episodes, uh, the interplay between characters and the notion of what the characters are, uh, it, to me, it just implies that yo no, they've been doing this like stuff's been going on constantly. We are seeing every few years, we see like a week of their life. <laughs> And the indeterminate number of years or decades, centuries, even with stasis have happened between seasons, if not even just entire episodes. Uh, and I don't know. Yeah. Like Red Dwarf is, is, is a very unique beast in that sense, which by the way, everyone should watch. I still can't believe it's 2018. There's people who are like, what's Red Dwarf? It's maddening. The actual question. Mm-hmm. I know. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think the base has been covered for me. It, it's being able to tell some kind of story that, you know, in a real world setting does not work, but you make me believe that it works. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Uh, 
you know, you know, like you look at like Generation One, and like the, you know, there's episodes where they go to a planet, even bigger people, where it's everything looks like Earth, but they're all aliens, and now the Transformers are like toy size. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's a little weird. It's this is where I call this is this is where it's a little bit nonsense calling on sci-fi. Like season three had some weird stuff that I would call science fiction like there's elements of season three i can go okay i kind of believe this exists in this universe if there had been two or three seasons of season three it would have crossed the threshold right there in my opinion uh, season three goes makes you feel like there's a lot going on it's just only you know so many episodes of it and then it's done right, um if season right. three had been a bit longer i think i would have felt you know more can like definitely i think i think it's more like and this is what i say about g1 in general but season three especially the roots of what would become the the most like solid legit. I just also I use the word legit a lot. It's it's more of a punctuation for me than like literally the word legitimate. But uh, it, it's it's like the roots were there that were then built upon by what you know the better stuff. And in a sense, that's how I feel about the Marvel comic for G one as well. Um. There's a there's like these a couple really weird dividing lines in it in my in my recollection at least where it certainly never to me felt like an 80 issue comic series from part 1 to part 80 there were enough like writer change not not tons of writer changeovers but there were enough tonal changeovers that like it's more like there were a bunch of series that all just happened in the same quote unquote continuity but like chunks of each one are are fully like loaded with you know sci-fi-esque stuff and then you know the Furman era at the end uh probably legit sci-fi uh what i would call legit sci-fi it's just it's like everything that happened in it was kind of built on by bigger and better stories um Hmm. to where i think of it more as a progenitor than as like a solid standalone piece but you know that's also because i've had my nose deep in transformers since i was a baby so like there's a certain level of of you know not being away from the stuff at all that that makes me kind of how do I put this it makes me gloss over earlier things I guess um but yeah Aaron did you have anything else you were gonna say in there no I was just trying to think if there were any other examples that easily come to mind um, uh, beast- for comparison purposes like, like in Transformers aside from the Beast <laughs> era I would say that Transformers Prime um got super close if not. Yeah, I think that through its performance and through its tone, it filled in for the amount of time kind of spent treading water because uh, it did build yeah. a hell of a world um, and, it, and it was rendered so high budget lovingly uh, with, with such strong performances. that it, And also it was a formative series for a lot of uh, like one of the more recent generations of fans. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, I would say that it, it's totally up there with the Beast era uh like prime was a was, was really trying hard um and, and i say that not as you know a spiteful thing or kind of a snide thing it's like it, it put in a lot of effort given the space it was occupying um yeah. you know as as did the Furman era of the comics and even the budiansky era in, in some respects like the thing about a lot of the older transformer stuff is it was so much more weighed down by having to do the toy commercial thing when it's told to do it um that shows like prime uh you know and and some of the beast era like felt like they were able to escape that in a way that that elevates them and and the idw the best of idw like the phase two idw stuff regardless of dark cybertron uh you know and and the times where it kind of like splashed in toy relevant stuff that to me is like such a drop in the water of what the rest of idw was 
um, to where that that's how, you know, that many years of, thanks to John Barber in many respects, like unified continuity uh, turns into what I keep calling legit sci-fi. Um, as for this, there's an additional thing to this question, if you guys don't mind, uh, which asks if I have seen the Phasma deleted scene. Need to hear your thoughts. Best regards, Snowcat, also known as Lily. Um, so I did see it and I liked it a lot. Um, I, I think that it really fills in, uh, a lot of gaps in the way that I had already filled them in for Phasma. And, um, is it spoilers to talk about the Phasma deleted scene or has the movie been out long enough and that deleted scene been out long enough that we can like actually talk about it? I'm not sure what the Phasma deleted scene is. You haven't seen it? They, uh, okay. So when the home version of the last Jedi came out, um, like basically, you know, the all the the relevant official accounts went like, here is a preview. Here is an entire deleted scene, and it was basically like an expanded, slightly alternate version of Phasma's scene in the Last Jedi. Where I'm just, gonna, I mean, it's a deleted scene, so it doesn't really matter. And like, okay, at this point, like I've given lots of warning. This will take about five, six minutes tops. So please fast forward if you really don't want to know about this from the home version of the Last Jedi, the deleted scene therein. But pause. Um, Finn basically goes like Phasma's like I'm gonna kill you because you're because you're scum or whatever. Uh, and then Finn's like, ah, oh, yeah. Well, you ever uh, you you go on about how you're all tough and badass? Did you tell all these people about how you're the one who gave us the code to blow up Starkiller Base, and then you like ran away after we threw you in the garbage, and that you're the reason Starkiller Base got blown up. And then the, the, the stormtroopers behind her start to look at each other. And then Phasma, through her, um, you know, I think, I, th- I think she had the broken helmet at this point. Yeah, she did. She had the, whole, the, the gash in her helmet. You can see her eye kind of just like side eye left and right at the stormtroopers behind her and to either side of her. And then before they even do anything, she just freaking pulls her gun and guns down every stormtrooper who just heard that. Huh. And then her and Finn have their big final fight, and you know she's like, "You're scum." He's like, "No, I'm rebel scum," and you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I loved it. I was like, "No, I love that." That is, granted, it's part of what I loved about Last Jedi in general. But I, I just loved how it was like, "Nah, everyone's a screw up. Everyone is a screw up, especially all the new characters. They're all screw ups." And like, I, I and and the whole thing with Phasma, like. It also cemented to me what I thought was the case with the First Order Stormtroopers, which is, like, they're they're even more a bunch of, like, you know, ragtag, like, not ragtag, I guess, but, like, they are not as professional as the Stormtroopers, who already sucked. And so, like, because I saw people arguing, like, oh, how would they ever, you know, turn on her? They're all genetically something-something. And I'm like, y'all are making that up as much as I'm making up my own thing, so whatever. Uh, I really like the idea that Phasma is like, no, I'm a real, I'm a real big, tough, badass. But also, hmm, these guys just heard a thing. Blap, blap, blap. All right, they're all dead. <laughs> Shame that Finn <laughs> killed them, <laughs> she would say loudly. Uh, it, it all plays into the whole thing of, like, Phasma being this, in my opinion, semi-intentional Boba Fett joke. Uh, so I, I really love that scene for a lot of reasons myself. Um, and there, I just, there, Aaron, I spoiled one more thing for you. Uh, That's okay. Added to the list. I'm used to it. Um. Anyway, shall we move on? We've got another listener question here. <laughs> sure. This comes from Daniel Zonenberg, uh, who says, "Greetings, Even Team." This is directly at you guys. 
Uh, over the past few years, I've been developing new collecting habits, and the process has got me a bit of a bind. Basically, I've been resisting the urge to grab anything that looks cool in favor of only going after stuff that I know I'll like and know that I really, really want. It's paid off a lot through the whole Prime Wars trilogy, and thanks to my cutting back on frequent spending, I've been able to pool money for fancier items that have been on my wish list for a while. However, this extra caution is keeping me from pulling the trigger on a few things. For example, I know from everything I've seen that TFC Poseidon is the King Poseidon for me, or the God Neptune for me. Sometime around the release of that set, there were whispers floating about around uh, TFC releasing the set again in God Neptune colors, which is what I really, really want to hold out for. Uh, and also, they need to do that, uh, or if they do that, they need to name the squid monster Charybdis because it's too perfect not to do. Shout out to the Odyssey enthusiasts! It's been a decent amount of time since the Poseidon bots came out, so more and more I'm feeling like the God Neptune colorway won't happen. Do I go ahead and dive into a purchase that I really want to make and that I know I'll love? All I'm risking is maybe missing out on something that I'd like even more than the original release. When have you found yourselves in this kind of predicament? I remember how the God Jinrai set with Cabin Minerva was disappointing for you guys when it came out so soon after you'd gotten your own Jinrai's and God Bombers. Clickety-clack. I'm hooked on the plastic crack. Addendum April 23, just today while browsing TF Source and BBTS and the like, I learned there's a new pre-order open for a Monstructor recolor of the fans project Sora's Rio team. The world insists upon aggravating my neurosis. Uh... So there's a lot of answers to this. And uh, the first one that I would have asked is, can you define what you know you'll like and what you know you really, really want? And it sounds like you actually have defined that quite well. So you've crossed probably the hardest barrier. Uh, all that's left is now... Uh, I have a way of looking at this. and I, I'll go into it in a bit. Aaron, what would your advice be in, in this situation? <clears throat> um, I definitely come down to, like, if you're pretty sure that it's a thing you're going to like, then... Unless you know that it's going to be a high production run and you know that maybe you're weird and you're going to be the only one that likes it, I have a hard time just holding off buying something um, that might end up being limited just because I've been on the other side of that hunt two or three too many times of, you know, waiting for that six inch titanium ultra magnus to get just ten dollars cheaper and it never does it always gets ten dollars more expensive uh things of that nature i held off on some of the uh unite warriors purchases hoping to see it cheaper and i never did so i ended up paying more for it um so that way it's sometimes like a hey if it's a thing that you know that you're really going to want you should pull the trigger and get it because otherwise you're going to be left in the lurch and having to hunt things down way after the fact. Um, one one little thing I'll throw in, this isn't my main point, but one other little thing that can help, and this is not easy for everyone, is every now and then, feeling okay with every now and then, and like, you know, maybe even just once a year, and this, you know, uh, the Poseidon thing is this once a year thing, Taking a risk because you think you'll like it, and yes, it might come out in better colors, but if there's just literally no evidence of that happening anytime soon, you know, mm -hmm. go for it and and somehow figure out how to feel okay with quote-unquote failing, you know, once in a while. Or, you know, not, not doing the perfect combination, I guess is what I would say. Because uh, if a God Neptune thing does come out, Poseidon is, is a lauded enough set that... I feel like you would at least get a good 70% of the money back if you sold it on the spot when the God Neptune announcement happens, if it happens. Mm -hmm. um, and this actually goes right into the other point, but I'll, I'll get into that in a sec. TJ, 
Um, what would have you ever been in this position where it's like, oh, do I want to get this version or like, what if I, what if a better version comes out? Like, do I wait or what do I do? I feel like being the one who avoids anything third party unless it's absolutely vital to my life has helped me out a lot in this predicament. Yes, <laughs> I have barely run into this predicament. Um, I, there are a few occasions. Um, and I suppose I'm the really bad example here because I'm the one who was just itching for Combiner Wars to release their Technobot set and just kind of, you know, just, you know, who's going to lose? Oh, Hasbro's doing one. Oh, Takara's doing one too. That's, I just got them both. Like, I, I'm really, I'm kind of bad at that. Like, if I know, if it's something that I'm going to be into, like, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm grabbing it all. And I'm not asking questions about it. Well, and we had, we had this conversation back when we were all getting both, and it was kind of like those two Computron sets are so different in so many ways. Yeah. That like if if one does not entirely cancel out the other for your own tastes, there's so little shame in just getting both because they they were so different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's also that was a very one off case of that happening, and I, I would say stuff like the God Jinrai set. With Cabin Minerva is also a very one-off case that, like, I think you can hear it when we talked about it back when it was new. Like that—that that was out of nowhere. How fast that happened, yeah. Um, and that is—that was unprecedented and not normal, and thus not something anyone should feel bad about not having predicted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that—that that goes into that thing I said before of like figuring out a way to not, or at least be able to to try to get away from feeling like you you failed you know by doing yeah. the wrong purchase with quotes around half those words i mean i feel like i feel like because for me i have i have a fair amount of success getting rid of things on ebay when i want to mm-hmm. so i mm-hmm. go into things a lot now with the intent of well i'm getting this now so i can have my opinion and i can actually talk about this to friends and people who follow me and then when the better version comes out then one goes to eBay and the other one takes its place. I just went through this with Titans Return Blitzwing. Left the shelves because Legends Blitzwing came in. Yeah, and and also like those triple changers, the Japanese versions, um th- that's not as unprecedented, but I think it was a little surprising just how across the board better they were in almost every way. Like right down to the to the, the hand feel of the joints and the build quality. Well, it's not um, even that. Like you know, they went into so much extra effort to add in uh, extra uh, accessory weapons that, you know, using the, uh, what we got as the Titan Master vehicles, they just got as accessories. Yeah, yeah. So, like, right off the bat, you're getting a, you're getting more play value out of one box. Mm-hmm. And obviously also, like, you know, a lot more budget put into the paint, which which made the figure more expensive, absolutely. But then, like, it's it's a combination of, it's more expensive because there's more, pay, more paint, but also, the Legends versions don't have any of the lousy stickers. And, like, that almost yeah. felt like a, a thing you were paying extra for. <laughs> like, um, it's worth money if I don't have to feel my fingers flip a corner of a sticker up every time I transform it. Yeah, but look at those gummy, rubbery nonsense things. Um, and that, that, so that, that kind of... A lot of this has touched on, on my main point uh, as well, which, which I'll get to here, is um, the whole notion of, like being okay with the idea of buying something knowing that a better version might come out and figuring out how much is my time and enjoyment worth 
uh like tj you kind of you know it's a little parallel to what i'm talking about but i think it fits in the same template it's like i've always said like when people say oh no i should have waited like i bought this thing in 2013 and now in 2017 this way better version is coming out and i always feel like yeah but you got four years out of it and like that's yeah. worth your money too like um getting rid of the and i i'm not good at doing this across the board but you know in very small windows of time um thinking less about like every purchase being an eternal purchase that's going to stick with you unless you have to like you know sell for an emergency thinking more about it like you know i'm buying this now and i'm enjoying it when it's fresh and i'm going to get you know however much time out of it and then if in you know two to five years a better version comes out that's fine because then i got two to five years of enjoyment out of this one and someone else might like this one more Mm -hmm. um that's a huge thing in my opinion like being able to to be okay with not seeing into the future is is a kind of broad strokes way of saying it but it's true you know like being okay with the notion that like you like this now and a better one might come out but you're still getting enjoyment out of this now and that does not negate its entire monetary value um so that that's the way i would deal with that conundrum is like especially with this poseidon thing i would say like just go for it man like it seems like you really like it and like I don't know. To me, also, Poseidon is so different from God Neptune. It's like, get the Poseidon one, and then you'll know if you even want the God Neptune one. You know? <laughs> uh, and then if you like the God Neptune one and feel like you have to ditch Poseidon, like, I think you'll have zero... It's not... Like, God Neptune does not negate Poseidon for a lot of collectors, in my opinion. So I, I don't think that God Neptune coming out would, hypothetically, kill the market for Poseidon. Because also, the TFC Poseidon team is everywhere still. It seems like they made a ton of them. Uh, and so it's not like, you know... There's going to be any kind of stock market levels of having to predict numbers with that kind of thing. So I'd, I'd say go for it. Um, and I don't know. I hope that helped anyone else who might be in similar predicaments. Like, I've totally been there. Like, it's it can be really frustrating to go like, oh, no, I can't see into the future. And there are some weird things about enthusiast culture that make it feel like you are the one who's wrong for not being able to see in the future. Uh, so, you know, don't feel bad about that because literally no one can see into the future. <laughs> uh you can just make educated guesses and even then those can those can go wrong so just enjoy the now that's what i say the the present is what's most important for one's happiness in many cases not all cases obviously but a lot of the time like that can just i don't know that can that can put me at ease um you know like i said july is is july chris's problem not my problem um anything else you guys want to add to that one no. Uh, all right, then let's uh, let's move into what we got this week. Uh, I need to go find some Twitter uh, stuff to reference, but uh, while I do that, um, TJ, did you get any Transformers this week? I did. Oh, mm-hmm. what'd you get? Uh, I have my Studio Series Grimlock. Hey, welcome to the club. Nice. You know. After the deluxes burned me so bad, I was so scared of diving in on a fifty dollar toy, but turned out pretty good. I was I was gonna I was almost gonna finish your sentence and go like, but then you saw it in person. <laughs> no, I didn't. I no, I I saw it in person like literally a few nights ago for the first time. Well, that's what I mean though. Like like the the what is it the the moment when you see that friggin' paint job and go like, oh, this was on a retail toy. Uh. Not the most interesting paint job, obviously, but no, no, no. But dy- it's dynamic. Yeah, like, like they worked, you know, and it works really well for the character. Like I feel like, I feel like the paint job comes off so great. Like I feel like they got away with it just because 
when you look at the toy, it's using one one color of plastic and literally one color of paint outside of the eyes. Mm-hmm. So I feel like all that budget of switching machines, switching colors, going through all of this and that just got put into just look, just splash that chrome teal everywhere. It's it's the it's so weird because yeah, it's it's so straightforward and so like dead simple and small the ingredients list, but then like the delivery on it so accurately captured the weird visual texture of the movie CG models. Yeah. In in a way that's like made me so excited about um you know hypothetically if studio series makes it for another year or two like what other tricks can they pull to like capture stuff like that like the mm-hmm. visual texture as opposed to just translating the models. Um, yeah, cuz it does it does really work. He looks ancient and just weathered and patinaed. Yeah, and like if hypothetically they do other Dinobots as larger toys, like you know, do I'd love to see that texturing job done on on more of them? Because guess what, the Dinobot color schemes, if you're screen accurate, super similar to that, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, I, I don't know. How, how do you think he turned out outside of the the color work? How do you think he turned out as a figure? Uh, I think he turned out pretty well. Like I've always, I've been a fan of the Grimlock design to begin with, so this just. I, beefier and far more detailed version works for me uh i was always a little let down there's part of me that really likes that voyager still Mm -hmm. uh but you know i admit he never had like a really good toy he had the voyager that had a hunchback t-rex look and then you had the stretched out leader class toy like there's part of this that's enjoyable because they got it right like he looks really really good and really on point in both modes yeah like like everything about leader grimlock feels like someone was really dissatisfied since 2014 and got mm-hmm. and, and you know su- uh, submitted this project to studio series got the go-ahead and was like i am going to correct this chip that's been on my shoulder for the last couple of years I am amused, like, engineering-wise, I am amused that their solution to getting a T-Rex head on both shoulders is to make a completely fake T-Rex head. Yeah, right down to the like, use of, the, of mm-hmm. the, the the flexible plastic for the teeth. Like, yeah. it's fantastic. And, like, the seam line even is, it's the same thing as the mold seam line on the actual T-Rex head. Um, on the, You know, the seam line on the one that splits in half to, to hide away. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I like that transformation a lot. Um Especially once, you know, I got away from the instructions and figured out the rest of it. Uh, I'm not going to let up on instructions right now. You mean I, the dark gray thing doesn't go over the darker gray thing, but underneath the light dark gray now thing? Now imagine the whole toy is also dark gray, somehow making this even worse yeah. an experience. And yeah, I, I've, I've held Grimlock in my hands a couple times, and, like, it's all right, but I... Hmm. I think he's more than all right, but, but sure. I will I will like trash the crap out of his instructions any given day of the week, happily and readily. Like the 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 the, the, the not just official Transformers, but you know they're the ones that are easiest to yell at. I guess the, the the current state of Transformers instructions should be yelled at and criticized heavily, because like I said, like stuff with like Masterpiece um, Movie Barricade, I think inst- those instructions are so bad that they almost encourage breaking of the toy. In that you're, they're trying to tell you to do things, and they're doing such a bad job of it, you can easily pull on the wrong thing the wrong way. Um, it's not good. They should be paying someone to make videos, and I don't, I can't even work for them. I'm Canadian, but they, I shouldn't have to. They sh- there's so many people who could make good instruction videos. I will mm-hmm. save for the 18th time. Uh, TJ, um, 
the one last big question I think anyone would ask you about that Grimlock is how do you feel about his favorite hand? His <laughs> his big hurting hand. The, oh, the pain hand. Yeah, the hand, the justice hand, the hand for, for bringing freedom and equality to people around him who irritate him. I, I will, I will be honest, I kind of wish that was an optional thing. Mm-hmm. Just big mace fist. Uh, like, it, it made me happy just seeing, like, oh, he has actual elbows. Oh, and a wrist swivel. Thank you. Yeah. All I wanted out of any Dinobot. I was a little bit upset that, you know, the the big mace ball was not removable. It, mm-hmm. it is, in fact, part of the transformation, so there is nothing to be done with it. I, uh, until I had the, the figure in hand, because I, I didn't look at any reviews, I was convinced in photos that that actually would just flip away and there'd be a hand that folds out in place. Uh, so I will say, as someone who really likes the mace hand, that doesn't mean that I wouldn't think it would be better if he had a real hand there. Like, that, that yeah. obviously, like, he would be better if that was an option. Because then he would also be able to to dual hold some kind of staff accessory that someone might make for him somewhere down the road, and that would be really cool. Um, that said, I also just I really like the mace hand, so I'm 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 okay with the state of things. I also don't like his front skirt, even though I did push up on the hips. Everyone on the internet, I did. It's it's still just is is cluttered in a way that I I just don't really like. Um, to update on that. <laughs> um. Uh, TJ, did you get any other Transformers this week? Uh, I did. I did. Um, Aaron, did you get any Transformers this week? Uh, I kind of already talked about it some. Um, TJ, let's bop over to Aaron and do the actual finishing off of the talk of sure. the gun, and then, uh, and then we'll swing that. back around. Aaron, so what? What? I, I feel like I thought that you weren't getting him, and I feel like I missed so, the part where you did. So, yeah, so... M- MP36, like, With by most the way. of my master... Yes, this is uh, MP36. Um, it was... So, like, most of the time, these bigger masterpiece purchases end up being, like, convention gets. Um, or something along those lines. I find a deal for it. I'm, I'm never, like, actively out looking for these things. And... Uh, so it came about because uh, Alfie, for her birthday, wanted to go up to Chicago and hit up, like, a bunch of, like, boutique store, toy stores and, like, vinyl places and whatever. And uh, the first one that we went to was Nakama Toys uh, up in Chicago. And it kind of going through and, like, okay, they got a whole bunch of, like, bins of blind box things. And, like, she doesn't listen to the show, so I can say this, but if you put something kind of cute but really dumb inside a package that you can't see what it is she's gonna buy it it's just this temptation that's cooked in there and uh so she was looking at a bunch of those i'm like okay whatever kind of like working my way through the store um but you know glad to, to to be there you know she can have something fun to do on her birthday and and not feel begrudged about it and then i get in the back and they had a bunch of masterpiece transformers sitting there it's like oh and I look, and there's Masterpiece Megatron for, like, $210. Hmm. hmm. That seems cheap. Oh, wait a second. There's a knockoff of this. So I, like, go online, and I look up. I'm like, yeah, that's about, like, 20 bucks less than the normal going price or so. And But here are the things to be looking for. And it's like, no, this is legit for, for like, 20 bucks under the going price. Okay. All right. I'll try it out. Um, so I bought it 
and then I, I brought it home and then uh, opened it a couple days later when I actually got time to to take a look at it. And uh, it had plugs, and both of the plugs came off like nothing. Um, it wasn't even like ah, you got to take like a, a a hot air gun to it or something. It was uh, one of them just slipped off, and the actual barrel plug took about a uh, uh, two seconds of like kind of wiggle a little bit, and it came out mm. because it had looks like it had fins that were designed to jam in place that never did. That I think was so. the story with a, with a good number of them is like, and I think that that's like that's all that is needed to be done to satisfy the whatever it is that Legalities. that satisfies. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I almost don't even want to say legalities. I'm not sure. Just the whatever it is that satisfies. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so the only thing that I haven't done with it is put batteries in his fusion can, mm-hmm. um, because I'd need to hunt down those button batteries wherever. I think that they're just standard. Yeah, they're all R44s. Like, hear, hearing aid but button batteries, so it should be easy to do. It's just a matter of like I've been lazy about that sort of yeah. thing. But um, hey. Turns out all the people that said that this is a whole lot better Masterpiece Megatron than that first Masterpiece Megatron are right. I mean, there's no reality where anyone could argue possibly <laughs> that that's not the case. Um, But yeah, like we said before, the uh, the only thing that hit me up was the tabs that are on like the back of his hip armor mm-hmm. um, that I didn't realize are a thing that you could break until I saw little plastic flinders in my lap. And the one of the swivel pins... Um, for like the thing that comes out on the sides of his chest. Yes. I, when I transformed him back, I didn't do that in the right order. And I think that's maybe like one of my gripes with him a little bit is that there's very much a do A, then B, then C, then D, then E, then F, then G. Mm-hmm. No, there and is. if you don't do those, if you don't do those steps in that exact order, either you're not going to be able to do it and you're going to sit there and be angry about it, or you're going to, pop this swivel hinge pin out and then you kind of got to force it back in place yeah and as it sits it's fine either way um but that just it was like that and then um the way that his like gun barrel stuff comes back together where it like relies on the flexure of the plastic on one side to move around makes me feel super nervous about it there's also the part where there is a swiveling piece specifically for one of the many modes those things can do where Mm -hmm. it's not extremely clear until it's it's like visually explained to you what's what it's even doing and it's Mm -hmm. also thanks to what i would call some some unintentional misinformation there's a lot of folks who are now convinced that that swivelly thing has stuff to do with putting the barrel onto the gun mode itself which it actually was not meant to have anything to do with Aside from, like, there is an alternate position for that swivel that is for, I believe, the mode where he's wearing the gun um, as, like, a a big thing on him in robot mode. That's the only reason you're supposed to swivel that thing, if I recall correctly, from the actual instructions. Um, All of this rewinds back to the part where there is insufficient documentation with the figure. If I recall correctly, his instructions don't even tell you how to go in reverse. Yeah, and that's ridiculous, because you cannot... 
in any way tell me that just going yeah, there, backwards there are some of those, is going <laughs> to... Some, some of those steps, I was sitting there with the book out, like, how do I get back here? Like, undoing the way that his shins collapsed or, down... Or undoing step, was pretty... doing step one of Gun to Robot, which is getting his arms back apart. You, mm-hmm. The instructions yeah. do nothing to tell you about the part where there is actually a trick to doing it. That feels very intentional, and there's not a frigging thing about it in the documentation. Okay, um, and I, I can't even I can't explain it. Audio, like it's not gonna make any I'll, sense. I'll, I'll have to go watch the video because I sat there and like worked a little bit until it had a larger gap in there, yeah. and then like got got fingernails in there, like alternating to like get it out a little bit. Then had to go back and look at the instructions and like, okay, how much of this am I supposed to split? And does it go down to the side or does it do the weird like thirty degree angle pivot out yeah. to find the right way that I needed to peel this thing apart? Because it's really cool the way that that when it comes together kind of helps lock everything together. But then like you can't do anything until you've cracked that back off and like you can 100 percent just get a, a spudger and just ram it in there like you know a non-abrasive spudger and that'll get right. it open but um just off the top of my head um let me just grab i have a gun mode one up here let's get him out okay um because the whole trick is there's a whole thing with his his moving gun parts as well where like you have to take the safety and the uh the hammer and do things with those to set this up um and then it's it's just all you have to know is that the 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 sight on the top is connected to only one of the arms and if you know which arm it's connected to then you know what yeah so you you um you push one way on the barrel and the other way on that little lump behind the barrel because that's occupying that same flap on the other arm and those are the two things you can use to fulcrum um that you know to to start fulcruming that split to happen also pulling back a little bit on the on the site to untab it from underneath the torso block um no you know i'm saying all this audio lean it's sounding daunting when i do that of course but like you know the the actual ugh, the actual like you know in hand feel part of it it's pretty sensible once you've done it a few times properly and it should have been in the freaking instructions and and I'll say yeah. And also, there should have been a freaking video because there, there's parts of this toy. This Megatron's another great example. There's parts of him where, like, if you don't know something's supposed to make a noise, those noises that are things clicking together are very similar to the noises of things snapping. And not mm-hmm. knowing when you're supposed to hear that is very stressful. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and and yeah, I mean, Sunstreaker has the same thing where it's like it's it in a world where there's a, a video you can go through is fine. But like the video is not linked in the documentation. Thus, it's no one's fault if they don't go looking for the video. It's no one's fault if they try to follow the instructions packed with the friggin toy. So that's that's part of why I keep getting so grumpy about it. <laughs> uh, anyway, Aaron, I'll stop ranting. This is your spot. Um. A good portion of that is alongside what uh, where I would be going with it. Um, I like the way his arms collapses aren't terribly new, um, but the way that like his legs and shins work um, was pretty cool. The biggest issue I had with that was like the way that you have to get his hips to like pull downwards in order to come together to tab everything together 
one side's worked very easily, the other side's was a friggin' fight. That is a known issue with the figure. And um and and going both ways, going uh to to the pistol mode and then back to the robot mode, there was a whole lot of fight in that to get it to to cooperate with me. Yeah. But beyond that, it's like I like the fact that he has false hammers up on his shoulders yep. <laughs> that do a really good job of just folding away and disappearing and that they're actually sitting down by his knees. Uh, there are a lot of excellent tricks with this toy. And uh, to go back to the earlier listener question, that's what you get out of the premium price point. Um, even down to like when you pull off his face, he has a fake face underneath it. Oh yeah, or the, the safety on the pistol mode it actually has two locking points like there's a little tab nub sticking up that mm-hmm. this thing can can grip onto um yeah. and uh and yeah like like this all kind of just what i'm talking about with with mp36 since he came out is like he's not a, he's not a um a, a lament configuration of a transformer if you have some form of proper documentation to go with him that jives with your sensibilities because uh, he is full of very clever extremely clever tricks um you know his legs being the highlight but uh, like the shoulders i'm glad you mentioned it like the it's a specific order of operations but that's because they are like just turning into a different shape um that's a huge a huge mm-hmm. amount of this this megatron's transformation um oh there's another point i was gonna make uh something you were talking about but i can't remember what it was now um I don't know. I, I like the figure a lot still, and I, I I think that MP36 gets this really bad rap um, for how bad the instructions are, to be honest. Uh, and uh, um, oh, the thing I was going to tell you also, like, um, so you have the official one, and there is a boon to having the official one. Um, a, none of the knockoffs or enhanced knockoffs have the same color hue, so the official one still has a unique color. Uh, that's not replicated okay. anywhere else accurately, except there is one direct knockoff that I think replicates it a bit, but it's also the one with the worst build quality. So that kind of negates anyone even wanting to own it. Um, the other thing is, in my opinion, the two uh, most popular um, enhanced knockoffs have like a whole lot more ratchet joints and a way more solid hand feel in the joints. But the official one has this really specific and unreplicated feel to its joints that gives it this like good figma feel is the way i've heard it described and really agree with um so if you ever were to look into like the you know the two major knockoffs um imagine all of his joints feeling way more like a soul of jagokin um and that's that's kind of the difference um but i think that the official one has like this i don't know there's a certain levity to the joints that really works um I don't know if levity is the right way. It's just the word that pops to mind. But, like, mm-hmm. it's not that they're looser, not that they're lighter. It's just that they're a little bit less um, meaty uh, they're, and not in a bad way. Uh, anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you got it because, like, you, I, I knew you would dig, like, the constant barrage of fresh engineering tricks that the yeah, toy throws it at was, you. It was a lot of – I think I spent probably two and a half hours, three hours, like, working it and – like I was watching watching something on TV at the same time, but mm-hmm. like okay, mess with this, mess with that. Ah, oh, that's really cool the way that this happens. And then okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. As I went through that transformation, so oh, I remember the thing I was going to say. Um, the the MP36 is also, in my opinion, a really good version of complicated in that it's so clever with its angles and geometry that 
it is actually really hard to break the figure, you know, aside from those two little tabs that don't really matter all that much. A, mm-hmm. a, a, another high-end toy doing the same thing that doesn't care as much about the way it does it would be a toy where, with bad instructions, you wouldn't just be having a bad time. You would have also broken things off of their little ball-jointed stocks. Um, that they're, you know, or if, if he's breaking apart into shards, like, you know, you didn't do it the right order while well, there, you sheared, you sheared critical tabs off as opposed to, I don't know, there's the, the, the whole way that his geometry works is like, it's designed so that it's very hard to accidentally break him going robot to gun. And then if he had proper instructions that told you the right order of operations, I think no one would have been shearing those tabs off, um, of the, of the butt parts, whatever it is they are. Um, I'm going to stop myself from repeating myself. So, Aaron, any other thoughts on MP36? No, that's about it. All right. Uh, TJ, let's bump over to you. Uh, tell me one another Transformers thing you got, and then we're going to swap to me, and I'll swap back to you again. That's the plan for this segment. Full transparency. Also, ah, I don't know if a few minutes have elapsed yet or not, but I just saw a message. Um... It's been a whole four minutes since then. So we're close to a few. Uh, let's just do some fill. Aaron, what can I do mm-hmm. <laughs> to get you to join my weird club where I really wanted to know how the knockoffs felt because they are they feel better and I wanted to know what that meant. How do I get you to join me in the club where I have three Megatrons? If you mail me two Megatrons, then I'll have three Megatrons. All right, but uh, what if you also paid me money for them? I can pay you some money. What if I told you that if you bought them, I I have I have change in my pocket right now that I could exchange like for ninety your bucks. Other they're like ninety American dollars. I might look at them at TFCon because this is how my this is how it worked for me. I really liked MP thirty six, and he is definitely scratchable. And I had sheared off one of the butt tabs, so I was like, oh, I'll just get a second one to keep mint because I like this toy so much. And then I realized, hey. It costs less than another one to get both of the enhanced knockoffs. So I'll get those instead of the second one. That's how my logic worked. I don't know if I can infect you with that or not. No. Damn. Um, actually, you know what? I did have a thing to talk about on topic, so I'll just do mine. Okay. I got an on-topic thing, and it is a thing relevant to the podcast somewhat, because I believe that this happened because someone heard me talking about how I can never find it. But um, with full thanks to um, one John Ado, uh, I have been hooked up with a Power of the Primes Battle Trap, uh, Road road Trap and Battle Slash, the two legends. Uh, and, and I got to say, you know how everyone thinks that those toys are really good? It's because they are really good! Uh, I'm, I'm in love with those legends. Um, and part of the reason why I love them is that like every single decision on how they transform feels like they were like, all right, what do we usually do? All right, don't do that. Um, if you have the toys, I think that would, that will make some sense to you, but it's like without instructions, I was like, no, I can suss these out there. Legends. I got stuck on both of them trying to get them into their vehicle modes. Uh, cause they both do a lot of transforming. And, like, the way that um, Road Trap, yes, Road Trap, turns into a truck is, like, I just sit there going, like, why doesn't this line up? Why can't I get this stuff? Why aren't his legs collapsing? And it's, like, because, fool, his legs don't collapse. 
his torso collapses down onto his thighs. And I'm like, damn, I am the fool. <laughs> um, actually, though, I, I really like Battle Slash, the helicopter. I love both of his modes, and I adore his transformation. Um, and I also found that if you take off his helicopter blade, he's able to hold it like a sword just at certain angles. Um, Battle Trap can't, but uh, Battle Slash uh, can. And, like, just, there's so much going on in that figure. And I think the helicopter mode's pretty darn good for a Legends helicopter. Um, like, I, I don't know. It feels like a lot, like, if any part of this kind of gets dunked on the most, it is Battle Slash. And I'm like, I think Battle Slash is a, if I was going to start talking about these as standalone toys, Battle Slash does way more for me than Road Trap. But I also like how the combination is is somewhat based on them both being in vehicle mode first. And then you ram the vehicle modes, you, you flip out the waste ram the vehicle modes together and then transform them into battle trap. And like that just, that works for me so well. And, um, you know, everything else has, has I think been said by a lot of people, but there it's going to be very hard for another official mainline transformer to blow my mind. Like these little two dudes have. Um, and my mind has already been blown somewhat by a lot of studio series, but like these guys were, were for the bang for your buck on these two is just like so high. Uh, it goes, it goes above what's even feasible for voyagers and leaders to do bang for your buck wise. So I'm, I'm so into them. And then I, I finally looked at their instructions to go like, all right, what about the part where you're supposed to put prime masters on them? And it's like, not only is it the most tenuous, just have a little dude sitting on top of a vehicle kind of setup. There's mm-hmm. no room to even have them sit. It's like, well, bend their knees forward and then tab them down. And it's like, all yeah. right, so you got to break your knees to, like, kind of half stand, half squat on, like, the back of this truck or helicopter. <laughs> um, And I kind of love that part. They're like, this is the thing that does blow my mind, though, and I was able, I was able to confirm this because I, I got them both in package. There is nothing on their packaging that says they combine absolutely nothing beyond if you turn the package sideways on one side there is a sliver of art of battle trap with no words yep. um that nothing says they combine uh i mean this this goes back to my whole like when there are those like hidden things why not like call it out better because i mean this isn't even uh, hidden this is a this is yeah. why the toys exist. <laughs> right. Right. And, and there's it, I don't even think it says anything of does it even mention like the other one on like the sentence bio blurb on the back of the it card? Does. It's, it says um it says insert name combines with his duocon partner insert the other name. Um okay. but it's just like one line on the back and combines means all kinds of things in this line. Even the mm-hmm. instructions is like turn this guy into half a robot and then I don't know. And like I just don't I'm I'm a I'm astounded. I'm like cuz I thought that maybe when we got that cuz I think it was a question we got and I was like it seems like that might be overstating things a little bit and I'm like oh no, wait. That like these two toys exist to combine together and there is nothing that says they do on the packaging. So it's like, well, you know, any Transformers fan will know that. And it's like, well, yeah, but also, what about the people who don't have a comprehensive knowledge of the frigging duocons, which which no one outside of like you know the the way more deep into it fandom is probably gonna like rattle off the top of their head outside of like you know um, cases where they had them as a kid. Uh, 
but yeah, like so this is this is me yelling about packaging promotion now, which is treading close enough to to telling the corporation to be more corporate that I don't know how I feel about feeling this way, but it is just it's so weird. Uh and also the instructions still suck, but you know, that's just the state of things. Um <laughs> Oh, and I got I got my cards. So uh I got Nexus Battle Slash, who combines to form a duo con with any bot, and I'm like, well that's a lie. Uh <laughs> You can't combine them with anyone else. And then I got Prima Road Trap, who inspires allies with legendary feats of cunning. And I'm like, all right, that's all I know about the character of Road Trap. Uh, so we'll, we'll do something. We'll do something off of that. Like the way I'm playing them is just to me, it's just like they're they're they are a couple of boyfriends who got the boyfriend thing down so well that they also are their own the battle trap is his own boyfriend they, they complete each other's sentences and alt modes well, it, to me actually the, the way i like thinking about it is like battle trap figured it out he's like he's like i could go looking for love i could go looking for companionship what if i'm my own boyfriend and he just splits in half into two robots uh, and it goes from there i don't know anyway i just i'm my caption on them basically is they are the ultimate boyfriends uh and they pose super well as a duo um especially for legends toys who have like not compromised articulation but they they don't you know have tons of emotive joints you kind of have to you have to do stuff and position them at certain angles even to get certain poses across um they're super fun to pose as a duo like almost more so than as a combined robot um, but that's my battle trap story. And, uh, yes, I think it will be a crime if a flywheels in this template does not happen. Uh, and that's in a world where already the crime has been committed of, they probably aren't doing power of the prime star saber, even though the entire leader class seems to have been created in order to do star saber. It's starting to look like that might not actually be the case, which is weird. Uh, and also a crime, but this is even more of a crime if Flywheels doesn't happen because they already made one. So the template exists and has been sold. Anyway, mm -hmm. um, DJ, let's swing back around to you now because I see you're back. Uh, and tell me more about your on-topic what you gots. If you are back. Aaron, what did you do? What did you do to him? I, I did what nothing. What did you do, Aaron? What did you... I look this time I didn't do anything to send him into the ecological dead zone on some kind of wild goose chase in order to, to hear about him getting jump scared or something. No, if only uh, no. Wow. I did that to you. What does that make me lousy? That's what um, I'll just off and on mention that uh, that TJ is is uh, who we're waiting for. Oh, no, wait, his circle just turned green. Um, don't, so, yeah, don't lie to the people. I don't, I don't have to sub. I don't have to. I was about to say I don't have to subtweet, and that's just like friggin' dating this podcast. But uh, hi, TJ. Hi. Uh, tell us about your on-topic other stuff. Uh, I got Cyber Battalion Shockwave. I was about to ask who that is, but I remember who that is. That's the Shockwave who I really wanted, and I still kind of want. And then I found out about his knees, and that made me go to more of a kind of want. Uh, but he still looks cool. I don't know. How do you feel about him? Uh, I think for what he is, he is absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. Like the knees are a gripe, but if you know what cyber battalion toys are like, that is not a new thing. No, it's like, like don't... The, the farthest you can pull that is like, well, you know, those could have been ball joints. And it's like, yes, that's also about as far as that critique can go. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, but 
in the in the context of the series, I know why they aren't ball joints because it requires a different type of plastic, a different tolerance that requires extra parts, extra molds and machines, and that mm. adds up to the cost. Okay, fine. Uh, the jet mode is a little silly. Oh yeah, but, it's a jet you know, mode. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, space jet. It, it kind of works for him because he just kind of floated around as a gun anyway. Yeah, you know he's just he's he's um he, he's trying to move on from being a gun. Mm-hmm. He's a very large projectile firing aircraft. My favorite part about him is in is during transformation you flip his head down and in its place flips up a fake shockwave head. I like it, this. It's, it's not colored or anything, but this means it has like I know I guess like a as a viewport or like a or uh like a bridge section of this big space jet. Oh, that's cool. Uh but no, like the the transformations, you know, it's simple but it's fun. He's got this nice thing where his torso kind of does a 90 degree pivot along its horizontal axis, which is a really weird mm. like transformation motion that I haven't seen. That kind of makes him cool. And yeah, aside from the knees, the robot mode is really, really nice. And, like, there's genuinely part of this that I like better than the masterpiece, which is really weird to say. Although, it is it is weird to say as, like, a sentence, but, like, I like the masterpiece, but it is leaning so hard in one direction aesthetically that it's, it's very simple for me to accept, like, you know, how much, you know, a, a different take could work better for anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it ticks some really nice boxes for me aesthetically. Like, I like the buffer and more solid looking build. I like the deeper shade of purple he uses. I like yeah. I, I like going with the metallic uh, paint and plastic uh, instead of the translucent. Mm-hmm. It gives him this different vibe that I that I I, I, I kind of like better than. Then even, yeah, even the masterpiece, like if he had ball joints in the knees or if he just had hinges in the knees, I could easily recommend him for a classic shelf. Yeah, I wonder because his knees are they using I forgot, are they using mushroom peg connections. Yeah, yeah, that that feels like something where that is uh, that is a style of connection that we as a fandom have gotten more um, equipped to pop apart um, or more um, trained to pop apart. And so I feel like if someone really wanted to, it doesn't seem unreasonable to just make a new pair of lower legs. Um, I guess it depends if the market's there for it, but like there are companies who exist who have done similar things. So I think that'd be really cool if someone did that. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that. Like if if you know someone someone build him knees so he can be perfect because he's already really good. Yeah. Oh, Gratz. Uh, that one's been making the rounds with that also kind of weird sideswipe. Yeah, and because this is one of my little niche collections, I'm doomed to get that sideswipe at some point if I can actually find it. Yeah. Because this one, this one I just got a good deal on for eBay. I've not been as lucky with sideswipe, which is mostly because I haven't been as proactive for him. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, like, it'd be weird if sideswipe ended up being the expensive one between the two. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't see that happening. Yeah. <laughs> well, Gratz, uh, any other Transformers this week for you? Uh, One more, which is the E-Hobby Convobat. 
Oh, yeah. welcome. Welcome to the welcome to the train. The bat train. Yeah. That's one of those that's one of those purchases we talked about before where it's like do uh, do I get them or do I wait? Do I get them or do I wait? And I waited long enough HLJ put them up for a sale that made him uh palatable. Mm. So yeah, uh gray bat. Or gray mind wipe, I should say. Yeah. I really like the toy. Um let me let me ask uh do any, how are the joint tolerances on yours? Mm. Nothing that I remember being like bad. It's just like nothing that also made me go like, "Yes, you did it, you fixed it." It's, it was kind of like everything that was kind of loosey goosey on my mind. Wise was sort of the same on him. In particular, I had some wonky knees for the hinge on the Titan Masters or Headmasters in this case. I guess I feel so, like I had that. Yeah it it felt like it, it felt like the old stories of Bakan was using like late run molds. Because they were cheaper to rent, mm-hmm. uh, but and the other, the other, the only, the only other thing that got me was uh, I hate how he was packaged because yeah. he's literally just like thrown in a bag and thrown in the box. He has such a nice looking box until you open it, and it's, yeah. it's like I wanted a reason to keep this, and it, like you're making it very hard for me because I'm not ever putting him back in here. He's just gonna bounce around in the box. Yeah, yeah, congratulations, you pay $8 for a deluxe, and all this soft plastic is bent. Yeah, that too. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the toy that made me finally try to teach myself how to use boiling water to fix soft plastic. Uh, and I have, and I think that it is the way to do it, uh, but, like, it's it's still tedious and still very, like, you might have to fix it, like, a couple times in a row to get it to, you know, stick in the right position. But really quickly, if you do boil up some some water, put it in a cup... And then submerge only the soft plastic part into the boiling water, or, you know, slightly below boiling water for, you know, 10 to 30 seconds. Pull it out. It should reset its original position. Uh, then keep trying to very lightly hold in that position, very, very lightly. Then put it under some running, very cold water to set it in that position. And I found that fixed a whole lot of stuff on my mind wipes and convo bat. Um, especially those friggin', yeah, the, the wings that were, like, curled up like friggin' joints, like... It was a bummer. Yeah, so besides that, like, I do love it. It was one of those ideas that I really wanted someone to do. I'm really happy they they actually did. I love how many elements come together. Not only the spare headmaster for, you know, Mega Gator. You also had, like, you know, the Optimal Optimus. That was, you know, that thing, that little thing is adorable. Like I love the set just for that. I love that they pulled Prime Wheeljack's weapons for it. You know, all the yeah. different heads. It there's a lot of effort going into the set that I that I really appreciate to make sure that the homage came off as strong as possible. It made me wish that we had seen like more of those kind of little micro projects happen during that era. Um, oh yeah, because like the only other ones I can think of really are like there was um the 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 toy show black convoy scourge Mm -hmm. and then i would argue that like octane and g2 megatron are the same kind of thing just they they happen to happen in the main line uh they weren't exclusives um and i just felt like man like i wish there had been one more really weird one that was another e-hobby exclusive um because it was you know like you said getting all those elements thanks to the headmasters in many ways and the partner vehicles getting all those elements and thus all those different colors too into one box like just somehow makes the value feel higher um 
Yeah, that Optimal Optimus vehicle is like a, the the cherry on top. Mm-hmm. There is part of me that wants uh, Power of the Primes Optimal Optimus just so I can have that one palling around with it. Yeah! Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> Man, when is that out? Why isn't that out yet? Uh, take it up with the retailers who apparently can't get anything new in. Yeah. I'm still waiting for anyone to get Wave 2 Power of the Prime Voyagers. Like, like yep. granted, it seems like Power of the Primes is going to be a three and a half wave long series. And thus, like, you know, me pushing for Wave 2 and 3 to come out ASAP means, like, Transformers might be done for a bit outside the studio series. But, like, I don't care. Like, it's get it moving. I want to I want to friggin finish a combiner. <laughs> I want to know what that Optimal Optimus feels like. And then I want you to all surprise me later this year and go, like, guess what? We really did do a Star Saber because we're not. We're not friggin' Cenobites who made the Star Saber play pattern and then never actually did Star Saber. Which same I'm... people who... This is the same team who made the Horrorcons for an entire Voyager line and never did the Horrorcons. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Triple Changer Voyagers. Oh man. No, I, Triple I've, Changer Headmaster Voyagers, yep. I have come to fully accept that there's probably not a Star Saber happening. Um, thus, if it does happen, it'll be a pleasant surprise, but like, I am giving up on that ghost for now. Um, it's just some some of us can't give that up. Even though it is the Star Saber play pattern, and the designer of the original Star Saber designed the Optimus Prime in Wave One, thus creating this perfect pathway, I uh, I I just I don't want to I don't want to end up disappointed later. <laughs> I'd rather end up pleasantly surprised. Right, right. Um, any other uh, on topic stuff on your end you wanted to talk about? Uh, nope, that's it. All right, then let's uh, bop into Off-Topics-ville, and uh, Aaron, did you do any Off-Topic toy stuff of late? Off-Topic toy stuff? No. All right. I'm still going to come back to you and poke you about some other things, okay. but um, I had a quick Off-Topic toy thing I could bring up, and I will go to Twitter to grab a picture. Well, there's a picture on my Twitter media, but I don't know if you guys saw it. I got the Soto Action Guardians um, this is an offshoot of the current very good candy toy figure line for Common Rider Build. Uh, this was them doing an entire wave just to do the the foot soldiers, the the goons, the mooks as you call them from Build, uh, who who are on various sides of the conflict in the show, but generally they use the same designs, and it's just a case of like, here, I'll, I'll put it into into our little podcast uh, Discord chat here, um. They, they they use, like, different faceplates and chest designs uh, to show the different versions. Um, in the show, that's how it works, and thus, in this set, you just get a lot of alternate stickers. But uh, it's a really good set, and each set, you basically are getting one of each of the jumpsuited guardians. Then you get three armored guardians um, with, you know, a variety of different sticker options for the chest. So you are guaranteed five figures per box, uh, and then if you want a troop build... Um, and have fun. I certainly did. I have having having put together one box. The stickers uh, are are adhering quite well. It seems whatever they did in Soto Build Five to exponentially increase the potency of the sticker adhesive uh, is still going on here. And thank goodness because they have these two little gold dots on either side of their helmets and on their cheeks. I think you can see it in the photo a little bit. Uh, and those are little stickers. And you need tweezers or a spudger or knife or some tool to apply those. You cannot do those with your fingers. Don't even try. Um, I didn't. And I looked at them and I'm like, I know someone's going to try. Please don't. You will just be annoyed. Um, anyway, 
what I was going to say is, because of that, I'm not actually looking forward to stickering up another load of these. Because I did, I, I got a lot of them, but I, I knew what I was getting into. Um, I've only put together the one box so far. Um, oh, and for box distribution, you're guaranteed the five figures. It's just that there are two different armor sets for the armored ones. And that really is just a case of it's, it's a different colored weapon and different sticker options. But the cool thing they did is every sticker sheet includes double the necessary stickers. So no matter, like, basically you get you get armor set one, armor set two, and then another one of the two. It's it's a 50-50 coin toss. But they give you double the, the option stickers, so even if you get stuck with, you know, a certain ratio across however many boxes you bought, you have enough stickers to do every one up as one type if you want. And also the armored ones come with a spare head and spare chest plate. Um, which are the stickered parts that showed their allegiances. So you have enough to basically like, like you, you're not going to have to make hard choices with the set, which is really well designed. Cool. Yeah. Like it, it's being aware of what the candy toy sales, um, model is and operating within that. So I'm, I'm super impressed with them. They're very fun having just built the five. And once I get my full squads together, um, then once I take pictures, you'll be able to deduce how many boxes I bought since there's only one of each jumpsuited one in each box. And I'm going to have squads of those because I really like the Guardians. Um, so that's my off topic, what I got this week. Um, aside from me, I, was, I, I played some more Magic the Gathering. Uh, it's been a thing. Did I tell you guys I got back into Magic the Gathering? Yeah, I've been kind of subtle I about it. Caught wind of it. Yeah, yeah. I picked up some Dominara. Did, wait, did you pick up some Dominaria? Yeah, you bought some. Yeah, how much? I bought the like two starter decks, and oh, then you mean the uh, so decks? I guess like yeah, the Planeswalker decks, and then so I guess like they had a deal with a limited number of WalMarts to do uh, like a color pack. So like it's a, just a bunch of white. And maybe some artifacts with... Uh, oh, is that the stuff that's like Target? It's Walmart. I, I guess it's like there. It like 300 Walmarts in the U.S. Yeah. was like their, hey, we're going to try this out thing. And I didn't realize that one of the Walmarts in town was that. So that's... um. I've been, I've been trying to read up on all the different kinds of product types for Magic. The stuff that they sell at Walmart and Target, there's a very insidious nature to that stuff. <laughs> Uh, it sounds like the yeah. Dominaria versions, like like Dominaria has just been like apparently an improvement on everything across the board in every like facet. Mm -hmm. But part of that is apparently those color packs, like if you're just buying those and not also trying to collect tons of cards, like they're completely fine. Um, but in general, like those weird kind of gift setty looking made for Walmart things are often like we have all this garbage that no one wants. So what if we make a box for it and charge like one of the things they there's the thing out there called the booster battle box. It is two booster packs and a pair of decks. Yes, I've seen those before. The, yeah, the decks in those are the ones that your local gaming store is specifically given stock of to hand out for free to new players. Uh -huh. So the battle box is like more than the cost of two boosters, and what you're getting in it are two boosters and two things you're supposed to get for free. And like mm -hmm. that's the nature of that product. Um. So just for anyone out there who's thinking of like going to buy stuff at Walmart and Target, like a lot of the specialty product for that is like is literal garbage. And then things like the bundles or the fat packs or whatever, I think they're called bundles now, are cheaper at your local gaming store. Like like they're like 40 Canadian here 
And if you get them from a Walmart or, you know, other such place that got them through that venue or that pipeline, they are like 60 bucks. Um, so like, I don't know. It's like, it's like, it turns out support your local gaming store is actually a real thing when it comes to magic. <laughs> yeah. Um, but man, you got some, did you get any, any hot poles? Did you get any mythics? Um, there were a couple of mythics, but I couldn't tell you what they were off Was the top one of my them Lyradonbringer? I couldn't tell you off the top Darn. of my head. Okay, because there's like three or four mythics that are worth like 40 to 50 bucks. Uh, and now that I've drafted enough, I know what they all are. Um, so... Yeah, I'd, I'd have to, to go and get them and uh, take a look. Because I, I, I do know that I pulled a couple of mythics. Um, I actually pulled up. What you could do is show uh, me them, and then if it's one of the ones worth fifty list. bucks, I'll be like, "Oh, that's garbage." Just send it to me. Yeah, oh, that, <laughs> that's a garbage. That's a garbage <laughs> mythic. Yeah, it's only worth like eighty dollars online or whatever. Um, but yeah, so I I did get into that some because <laughs> of you talking about it and it's a thing that i still see and then it's like well maybe i should get like some of the like whatever the latest masters thing is because man that like that's reprinting a bunch of stuff so and, don't uh, okay here's what i'll tell you and then i see and then i see that it's like 12 dollars yeah, a pack or something insane and i'm like yeah uh, that's not happening here's what i know about masters the boosters cost way more for no discernible reason um it was designed for drafting first so just buying mm-hmm. packs of it is not super helpful. And it's not like every card is garbage, but as far as I can tell, the last three or four Master Series have been more or less panned by most of the of the community. Yeah. So it, it's like there's just no value so, in them. Yeah, so so that's the other thing that due to that and uh and other shenanigans like listening to some of the like various people on YouTube talking about things and hearing like the latest set isn't properly mixed or something bonkers where like two boxes that the guy opened were basically identical and insane stuff and getting way deeper into this. Why? Why did you do this? Yeah. I'm uh, I'm here to help. That's why, and I don't like to do things on my own. So I needed to hook someone in to follow me. Um, that that so uh-huh. here's the thing about magic. One last thing about magic that also kind of blew my mind is that every set right now, because because Wizards is like aware of and supporting most all formats that players kind of start coming up with themselves or that players mm-hmm. really like. And this, this isn't like news; this is going back years. But the whole drafting thing and sealed thing, it's like that is one of the design intents in going into the design of a set of cards is like, how will it play in draft and how will it play in sealed? And that's why stuff like distribution is important. And that's also why garbage cards exist is as the bad role when you draft or do sealed. Like, oh, you might end up with a Tolarian scholar who is basically a garbage card that no one needs, but he exists to fill that kind of spot in the metagame in sealed and limited format and i'm like man this i I wouldn't want to be designing sets for this kind of stuff having to think in four directions at the same time Mm -hmm. Uh, because also every card you design is going to be modern legal and like what is it legacy legal forever so like you also got to think about those metagames (laughs) it's like man so it's like for instance 
none of y'all, this is how I understand it, the edict is none of y'all can make dual lands that don't have a downside because we have the original dual lands that have no downsides and we're never reprinting those because those already break the game and the only thing that makes them balanced is the fact that they all cost $100 to $400 a piece per card now. So not everyone has them. Really? Yes. Even like revised? Yes. They are, the, really? the dual lands, due to stuff like commander format where you only need one of them, uh, the dual lands basically have cemented their aftermarket value for the foreseeable future, it seems. They are huh. ridiculously expensive. And uh, if you don't want yours, like, you can just give them to me. Um, oh, I, no, that's, <laughs> the, the dual lands that I have are, like, from, like, playing with dad and brother super early. So, like, it's not going to be a thing that ever gets sold, but that's... No, same, same with mine. But I, so I mentioned on Twitter, I think it was, I was talking to, to, to Prime Guy, I was like, I mean, my dual lands have been used in decks for at least a few years, completely unsleeved. And he was like, that doesn't ma- that that makes them, they, they are still, even a banged up dual land is, is worth triple digits, because everyone wants hmm. them for every format. So I was like, okay, hmm. then I'm really happy it turns out I have three. <laughs> Because I want to try playing Commander, so I'll I'll, I'll happily have my three. I, I mentioned this when I was playing at all these different venues. I was like, yeah, it turns out I have three dual lands back home. And they're like, oh, cool, just keep those and slot them into every Commander deck you ever make. And I was like, all right. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, all right, well, that's been our Magic the Gathering corner. Thank, uh, Welcome, Aaron. I'm looking forward to hearing about your deck building. Your, sorry, your deck brewing uh, you do in the future. Um. There are some pretty good pre-con lists out there, and you can order a lot of cards single, so you don't even have to you don't have to deal with boosters. You can just buy yeah. old decks. No, the actually so then the other part is so Merlin's Beard, the place where I do like my twelve hour gaming things, mm-hmm. um, are starting a what was it, a drafts and drafts event. Ooh. Where you go and you do a draft and you get a beer or two with oh, your that's purchase. Awesome. Hey, hey, we should we should do some uh, at TFCon. We should do a draft. Mm-hmm. You can find the time and everything else. This is true. Hey, on Thursday, we should do a draft. <laughs> <laughs> on one of the non days when everyone's still there, we should do a draft. Uh, all right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to you later. Um, okay. I can't remember what I did off. No, I talked about my off topic. So TJ, I wanted to talk to you about a thing that I saw you tweet. Like I know you got off topic stuff, but there's a very specific thing I want to talk to you about. Er, what, where and when did you get a wraith? <laughs> uh, so someone on the Glios Exchange over on Facebook decided to uh, offload their collection, and hey, there happened to be a wraith there, and. Uh, it was originally an import thing. Mm-hmm. This was someone in the UK, and that made shipping a little bit too uh, a little bit too pricey for me. But the entire lot he was selling got bought by a friend of mine, who then immediately offered the wraith to me once it got in hand. Oh, nice! Yeah, the uh, for those who doesn't who don't know, we're talking about a Glios piece. It's using a lot of the Glios vinyl pieces. Uh, and it was it was up for sale um, sometime between 2012 and 2014. I can't remember precisely when. 2012. 
Yeah, 2012. Okay. Um, and it was by the by Jesse Moore of Colgrim, who do, who does his releases a lot more sporadically and a lot more like crazily. And so this was basically the the first time. As soon as these parts were available from the Glios Hoverbike vinyl pieces, Jesse was like, "I'm going to make a robot." And it was like, "I'm not just going to make a robot. I'm also going to custom smack a bunch of my Colgrim parts into his hands as guns. And then what if I like make him a soft goods cape that is screen printed?" Uh, and thus it was a very expensive piece and it was the first time I had to pass on a Glios thing because I simply couldn't afford it. Um, so it's not like yeah. a regret. It's more of like, I just wish I had one because it's really freaking cool. So congratulations mm. on getting a friggin' Wraith. Yeah, so this is where Glios becomes an art form for me. Because every, yeah. every one of these had uh, hand-painted weathering, so all of them are distinct. All of them are unique from each other. To create the cape, uh, Jesse Moore... Uh, printed shirts with his Colgrim logo on it mm -hmm. and like literally rolled around in the dirt wearing it. Like yeah. I've seen video of it. They're dragging it through the dirt and they're just beating the hell out of these shirts and they chop them up and turn them into capes. Yeah. The man is crazy. And then there's also the part where it's an action figure that comes with a t-shirt just because at that point, why not? Did it have um, a uh, a box as well with a piece of art on the front? Uh, yeah, it came with a big uh, printed box with the artwork on. It comes with an art card of the Wraith and like a blueprint spec book. Yeah, that explains what all the parts are and all the Glios piece breakdown. Yeah, it was it was the same treatment he did for the um the the, the fancy hover bikes. Yeah. Um and yeah, like like when Jesse Moore really really goes into a project like that, like it, it comes out really cool. It's like you wish he was doing more. Um Yeah. Like he's the madman of Glios. Like that's the one who decided that his big bad bounty hunter should also be strawberry scented. Just, yeah. just for fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in strawberry shortcake colors. Or like yeah. I'm gonna do a giant vinyl Colgrim and I'm gonna make like twenty because I don't think this actually is gonna work, but I wanna make them anyway. And like I don't know, if I know you I'll sell you one because this is a big I've had dumb a, thing. I've had a couple opportunities to buy that, then money's never there, but oh I want it. Yeah, no one, one of the at New York Comic Con, I think one of the prototype ones was for sale for, you know, crazy money. And I was like, Oh man, like this thing's so kooky, I want it. Yeah. Yeah, but, knee stuff yeah, knee stuff let me babysit one for a month and it's like I don't want to send it back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I forgot who's. I can't remember if it was. I think that's one of the times when I was just chilling at his table, but I forgot if he actually had the thing or not. But like uh, stuff like that and stuff like the wraith are just like that's why I jumped all over those the fancy bikes when they came out um, because they were getting this the, kind of the wraith treatment with like the scarves and everything and the, yeah. the packaging, and I was like, I want something of this caliber, and I I still kind of. Wish I had gone for a wraith. So yeah, it, like I said, congratulations because the the wraiths are friggin' cool. Um, and it's like they're even they're not even like the world's most like intense custom vinyl build. Like it's just rig and armadoc parts as a torso with bikes for limbs. Yeah, but like it's it's just it's so cool to see that leaned into. Um, I remember that was the thing that inspired me when I did my big ass like vinyl wedge robot building for a while i gotta i gotta dig some of those out and get back into that but yeah congratulations Let's see uh so beyond that mm -hmm. uh i know like 
I get I get so much build stuff. Like I feel like we're just like bringing any of it up at this point. Have you been like but, keeping up with all the bottle releases? Um, I started to. Like the the bottles went from being like weird on the level of she's like, oh, that's such a weird thing, and then like cross the Rubicon into a realm of just complete insanity. Like okay, now I'm re- I'm interested in these all over again. I, this is why I follow part of the why I follow. I mean, I follow Soto because it's also just good candy toys. But mm-hmm. the the part where there's a good chance every single one of those suits will have a posable action figure in Soto is another part of the reason I'm so into it. Like Tiger UFO is in the next wave, along with it's, the next wave has Tiger UFO and Rose Copter. And so I'm like, everything's on the table. the 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 Soto team are probably going to do Penguin Skateboard. Because who wouldn't want to do penguin skateboard? Yeah. Usually I try to explain what this means, dear listener, but in this case, I think it's a better conversation if we just say these weird names mm-hmm. as though it's normal. I'm hoping for Turtle Watch. Yeah. Because I like turtles. I mean, I think I think Turtle Watch, I think, I think like, Turtle Watch, uh, was it Shark Racer? Um, or no, Shark uh, Jet? Was uh, it? No, it, no, no. Uh, it was, uh, whale, it was, it was Whale Jet. Yeah, whale Jet. And it was Shark Bike. Shark Bike, yeah. Whale Jet was in the show, so that's getting a Soto, I would yeah, say, for sure. And uh, Shark Bike was in a DVD special. Oh, then they're going to do that, too. Um, they just The pre-order just went up for Soto Build Series 12, and the original Soto series for x ended at 10. So, like, I, I feel like they're really going all the way on this yeah. thing. Show's not over. Not even at the final form yet. I'm, I might order a belt. Ooh, because because I didn't they so like the evil driver is on the show now. Yeah. And the things, mm-hmm. the sounds it's making are like the kind of thing that makes me buy a role play toy. So I think I'm going to get the evil driver. And then like, you know, tap a tap tap with chopsticks on the buttons to hear what the other noises are, because I don't want to go tracking down billions of bottles. Those are I, I will warn those are really frustrating. Like, do you have a bottle? No. Okay. There's like a dozen teeth on four different rows on the back of that thing. Yep. No, I, I've it seen... Is super I, annoying to trick the noises out. I saw a video of a guy do it, like setting off the crocodile stuff on the Splash Driver. Um, and like, he, it was like he had learned how to play like a percussion instrument. <laughs> the way he was typing them in. Yeah. You move like they do. Yeah. <laughs> But like I just the the noises that the that the Evol driver makes are like so ridiculously up my alley, and also I kind of hate the voices on all on 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 the main build driver, and I really like the slash driver voice, but it doesn't it only has like three sets of things to say. So like, best of both worlds is the Evol driver. I think I'm gonna do it. I think I'm gonna do it. Uh, yeah, common rider build. What a show. Mm. Uh, a little bit more noteworthy to talk about. Uh, I actually went in on a ubiquitous. Oh, that's the other thing I was going to ask you about. Do you think it is necessary to have more than one or is one enough to fill in like a photo shoot display? Mm, Because I I can't tell from the photos. Okay. I, I, well, I tweeted out a photo of what, what, of the, the room that I had built. Yeah. And, you know, on my actual review stage. So you do have some scale there. So I looked at that and it's still like, that's why I wanted to just ask you, because I looked at it and I was like, I think that one is enough, but 
I can't uh, okay. 100% tell. <laughs> uh, I will say there are still a bunch of parts left over after I built that. Okay, like, that helps. That like, helps a lot. Like, if I take off that little side hallway I did, I could probably build another, like, smallish backdrop that's about the same size. To do, like, to rep- like to do something on the scale of, like, the sets we have for, like, uh, chain bases, you definitely need two. But probably only two. Like, from what I'm seeing here, it feels like if you had, like, two of them, like, it wouldn't literally fill out the space, but it would fill out the visual space. Yeah. And basically what I was thinking is I was looking at them going, like, I'd kind of like to order one with the LEDs and one without. And see what I can do with all that. And then I just wasn't sure if that was going to be, like, ordering two little cubes or if that was ordering enough to fill out, like, a decent-sized space. But also, like, looking at your, you know, this is the pile of stuff dumped out. Like, that is a lot of stuff. Yeah. it's It is daunting when you just look at it. Like, once you, like, realize how they connect and the system... It's not so bad. Yeah. You know, at, at that point, it's like putting Tinker Toys together. For reference, by the way, the Ubiquitous is a diorama set akin to mechanical chain bases, except it's a lot more diorama in how it functions. And I believe in being called the Ubiquitous, it's basically you're kind of building the set from Alien in a way. Um, that's that's one thing, uh, because they, they do like, to show off this, like, this is with Avengers toys, and this is with Star Wars toys, and doesn't it all look like they're on the Death Star? And Kinda? Yeah, yeah sorry, the Death, well, mixture it's, of the Death Star little... and, and the, the ship from Alien. Yeah, um, like, there's, they're, like, there's sci-fi to it, because you've got the lights sections, so you have, like, little translucent windows here and there. But, yeah. Yeah, you also have pipes built in that you can put in the walls, so you can give it an industrial look. Yeah. yeah I think I want to pick up two of these sometime this year. Because this looks really fun. Yeah, I'm debating another one. If only, if only like, because there, there's such a part of me that just kind of irked at the idea of just, like, getting a chain base to upgrade my my set. Mm-hmm. I would really love to just build something like this. It's just ridiculous. Because the nice thing here is, like, yeah, it's uh, it's still my unique design. Like, even if someone else is using this, yeah, I can still build it differently. Well, also, the, to me, the advantage is it means that, you know, if, you, if you're doing photo stuff or video stuff, you can leave a chain base up as the main backdrop, but then you can sub this in for, like, close-up shots if you just, if you want to have them in another setting that isn't the friggin' chain base texture. Right. Right. Um, and that, and, like, it looks like it's, it, I mean, it sounds like it's built pretty well. Like, it seems like it's, okay. it's sturdy. Here's, here's something. Mm-hmm. Here's something that uh, your chain base can't do. I can pick it up. Oh, that's cool. I can pick, yeah, like, because I had to to shoot the, I had to pick it up and move it to get the shots of the Wraith. So, yeah, it held together just fine. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, I mean, there's, there is a way to pick up chain bases with a certain technique. And if you, I mean, you have to do a lot of very specific, um, not specific, you have to, you have to handle the chain base with a very certain level of finger tension. Uh, it's doable to pick it up, but yeah, it's not, it's not like you can just grab it and go. Um, you kind of have to like know I, what you're grabbing. Yeah, I I almost equate it to like trying to transport a pizza. I was gonna say it's like picking up a gingerbread house. That too. Like, for you know, me, the, it's like the, the like wiggle. it's prefer. Yeah, like for me, it's preferable if you had like a temporary mobile platform to slide it onto. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good news about the ubiquitous, though. Also, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. 
I'm just. That's I, how ass- it, I assume. I, I've heard. I've heard the phrase before. That, yeah, that how, seems it's, like how it's pronounced. It's how I've always said the word is ubiquitous. I mean, or the ubiquitous. You know, to me, it's the same thing. The main thing is we're not saying the ubiquitous or something like that. It's, yeah. Which I, I forgot who, I caught someone on my Twitter who was like, I'm trying to watch a review of this set, and I can't deal with all the ways this this reviewer is not saying the word ubiquitous correctly. <laughs> and I was like, man, <laughs> that is that is a word, if you've not heard it before, to be faced with. Um, no, that's cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into that a bit deeper. Uh, anything else on your end? That's pretty much it for me. All right. Uh, then just to close things up, Aaron, was there anything anything else in your end aside from toys that you wanted to, to hit on aside from the magic uh, cards that we talked about? Um. So BattleTech right actually dropped. Um, and I have spent quite a bit of time on said game. Um, it's everything that I hoped it would be when I uh, backed it uh, way back in the day. Um, just short of. A couple of hey i'm playing a game right at launch glitchy things that already they've released a like a 1.0.2 patch that's resolved like a memory leak issue and a few other minor items mm-hmm. but it's very much a game if you uh enjoyed something like xcom it's it's very xcom adjacent uh and that it's a turn-based tactical um type of thing that sometimes you want to save scum because stupid random headshot shouldn't have killed me that's bs <laughs> um th- things along those lines but at the same time you get some of those moments and um you know i i had like a eight tweet like minor storm of excitement of what had happened to me the the night before of getting cornered and almost outgunned and just squeaking uh, a win through and then salvaging the better part of a king crab which is a big hundred ton mech that like just kills things with its dual giant basically like giant robot shotgun equivalents <laughs> um but it's it's pretty fun i'm i think i'm the mission uh before the last mission um, with the way that it's like talking about things and the way that the like difficulty scales have gone up, uh, there's not much further more for it to get difficult, um, unless it just breaks the scale it's been showing you this whole time. Yeah. Um, but no, I've I've enjoyed a lot of it. Um, if you're somebody that digs the uh, <coughs> um, the mech warrior or battle tech or mech commander storylines it is that storyline or that uh world that sort of thing um set at the kind of beginning of where most of battle tech is um for for story wise and some other game things and then they flat out had like a couple of q and a's where they like they said like we had what was one of them said that we kind of had like four like layers of plan forward like if we got like poor grades and sold poorly like this was going to be our path forward up to we sold a bunch of copies and got great reviews 
and this is going to be our path forward and that's the one that they're on with like oh it's like there are like five or six kind of basic mission types and they said that there were a couple others that we were working on but just didn't uh get around to because like we had something else that we had to work on and it was just a matter of like we've got you know we only have so much design time to work on things and we can either make like eight things that are kind of okay or five that are really good Mm -hmm. and so they went with the five that are really good um but just things like that it's it's been an enjoyable game so far and I'd really recommend it to anybody that has a PC that can run a relatively modern game. All right. I'm, I, I'm glad that that game has turned out because I always like the idea of Battletech Mech Warrior stuff. Um, I only ever mm-hmm. played the one with the joystick set up back in the 2000s. Um, I forgot the name of it yeah. now. So that was that would have been a Mech Warrior. Yes. So Mech Warrior is like the kind of like the first person shooter style where you're inside of a mech. Yeah, it's like I, I thought it was um, like a flight sim, except instead of flying, I'm in a mech. Is the mm-hmm. way I, it always kind of struck me. And then BattleTech is um, more like the tabletop game uh, to the point where like the guy that like was the creator of the original tabletop game. Uh, it worked very uh, deeply on this game and is like in their in a bunch of their like videos and the like he's in it and I think he voiced one of the like minor bad guy characters that you run into a couple times. Oh, that's cool. Much akin to how Richard Garfield came back to design Dominaria, an expansion to Magic the Gathering. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Um it sounds like a like a like a game that's up my alley at least aesthetically. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to check it out at some point. Let me know when you do, because there's also like a PvP skirmish mode. Oh, you want to you want to lose that quickly, huh? To my experienced mech warrior fingers. Uh, OK, sure. Listen, you can you can you can you can believe that I'm a wizard. Sorry, planeswalker of Dominaria. All right. I know a thing or two about, okay. about gaming. OK, how's that going to save you when you got to? Uh you know a couple dozen lrms coming over uh, the horizon uh, you know robots are another type of mana uh, they say in the in the business that's planeswalker business is what we call it is mana uh-huh um yeah, i'm pretty good at what i do you know uh i i, I almost won against this like 10 year old uh at the drafts on the weekend um it's still a good game you know very well played Mm-hmm. I, I almost I almost won that one. Um, anything else in your end, or shall we uh, shall we move into the end game here? I'm I'm good. All right, uh, then I will just say thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you later on. Hopefully, we will settle some more listener questions in the next couple weeks um, to get caught up. Um, and I, I don't want to dissuade anyone from sending in listener questions. It's just like if if you feel like your listener questions kind of like the kind of thing that maybe we already have one about or something like that, then like. I don't know, just wait wait and see a little bit. But we have at least like six or seven or eight or nine, I can't quite remember, uh, unanswered ones uh, still to do. Um, and I like that we got them. But uh, I don't know, do us up some zingers. Uh, and also, d- do us up some uh, listener questions that are just a question. That would also be really cool. 
uh, <laughs> at least for a little bit. Save the multi-parters until we're in the summer. Uh, then I can mix those in with all the all the actual news topics. Um, anyway, thank you, Aaron and TJ, for joining me. Um, and thank you, Aaron, for joining me in the plains of Dominaria. Yeah. I'm Have trying. you considered uh, which flavor of mana you, you would like to focus your energies into? Generally, it's white or red. Perhaps I can interest you in, oh, you know, there's some good white-red stuff, actually. I ran a pretty good... You should look into Tiana, the ship's... The, the, the Weatherlight's caretaker. Uh, she's got some pretty good stuff going on. White's a very co- powerful color in Dominaria, thanks to its uh, white-black uh, night meta. Um... Although you should also consider perhaps the goblin mono aggro or the uh or the green uh the the uh the green red elf aggro. Uh these are all words that we that we planeswalkers. Uh, Son, I've know. been doing it since revised. Hey, so have I. I was playing from revised all the way up to I bought a Mirage starter deck and then stopped. Do you have any dark? I do. Um like r- real dark? Yeah, I bought some real the dark. That was actually, I think, the first expansion I bought because I was like ten or eleven, and I was like, "Why are these in a different color pack?" Uh, I got some the dark. I got some legends. I have way too much fallen empires, and everybody yeah. does. I also have way too much homelands. Um, pretty much everybody does of that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I also have some German cards. I have a whole little box of German revised, no German fourth edition. Sorry. Uh, I have a German Vesuvian doppelganger that I put in a top loader, and I don't remember why. I think I thought it was valuable. Um, but yeah, we will talk to you all later. Thanks for listening through all that, and uh, stay tuned for more WTF and TFW in your future. Wizard! Yes. What the f- hey, hey.